Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. This week's movies are Jim Cotta and Never Too Young to Die. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at MNDriveInPod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to the Midnight Drive-In at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food or drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. Drive away your worries and cares at this drive-in theater. That's why, to familiarize you with the movie rating symbols which will be used by this theater, we present the following guide for parents and young people. X, no one under 17 admitted. You're still alive? Why Why wouldn't I be alive? Uh, I just figured the COVID thing was going to be like a delayed reaction and you'd still end up dying somehow. <laughs> just, just fucking explode. Yeah. Well, he seemed like he was getting better and all of a sudden he just exploded. I've been getting since since getting over it. Like, I still have some chest congestion, and I keep getting these really bad random headaches. Yeah, they just like kind of fucking come out of nowhere. Yeah, what happens with the vid? I guess. Yeah, it's 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 some bullshit. Well, Doug, I saw somebody was starting a rumor that uh, somebody from horror etc. had died. No, I think somebody just used poor wording in a post and confused a few other people. Yeah, but it's a lot more fun if we say someone started the rumor. Yes, yes, it would be better that way, but unfortunately I've already ruined that. So. Oh. I destroyed that conversation, didn't I? Um, so did everybody hear that Warner Brothers is just booting all their shit to HBO Max for 2021? That's insane. That, is that what they said? They're doing all of it? All their the- theatrical releases going day and date to HBO Max with theaters. Like the Matrix 4 is going to go straight to HBO Max. That's yeah. insane. Godzilla vs. King Kong, straight to HBO Max. Yeah. God damn it. I don't want to pay for HBO Max. <laughs> and they're going to make me pay for HBO Max. Yeah, for I'm 2021 not... there. I can't even get HBO Max here. I don't know how it's going to work up here. I think it... I think it probably is an add-on to a service called Crave up here. And that would mean mm. I'd have to get Crave and then pay for the add-on for HBO Max. And that's Crave the kind of shit sounds that causes like a people weird, to steal. Sounds like a streaming service for, like, fetish porn. Let's go with that. I always thought, for some reason, it sounded like a streaming service of just Wes Craven movies. <laughs> and I don't know why. <laughs> It'd be so specific. Right? It'd be so very specific. <laughs> I don't know how much you could get away with charging for that one. It's like, well, for a one-monthly <laughs> subscription, we just buy all of these movies. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know why. It's you'd just... have, like, those Wes Craven Presents movies from the early 2000s. <laughs> Funnier and far oh. more delightful would be if somebody made Corman flicks. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Just... Just all of Roger Corman's movies. Oh my god! That Which the sense. funny thing is, they would actually have a pretty big fucking library. They would have a huge, huge library. library. Right. 
I mean, on sheer volume, they'd be able to rival any but anything else, really. It's... Yeah, that's that's uh, for someone who's shrewd with the dollar. It seems like that would make perfect sense. Be like, I mean, what Troma did it was a Troma Now or whatever their streaming service. Yeah, why not just do that, Corman? Didn't Troma only do it because they got like kicked off of putting their movies up on YouTube? No, they they it was like a separate sort of thing. Like you got some of their newer stuff. I I don't even remember. I, I never would, looked into it. I would, but. I would like to hear all the stuff because I had actually heard that somehow they got bitched at over copyright stuff for posting their own movies, Something which like is that. really weird. Well, it, the thing was, you can you can own the copyright to a movie, but not have the streaming rights to that same movie, or not have the streaming rights in certain countries, and it can get fucked up. Too complicated. I don't like it. Uh, so they see. had, you know, so, some weird contract they signed in the '90s for like streaming services in Zaire or something, and then YouTube doesn't give them the option of blocking it there, so now they're getting sued by a company that no longer exists or whatever. People need to leave Larry Kaufman alone. <laughs> Lloyd Kaufman? Or Lloyd, Lloyd Kaufman. Uh, let's see. Film threat. Trauma Entertainment kicked off YouTube over community standards breach. That's wow. Yeah. Well, that's probably just yeah. their comment section. <laughs> well, it's probably the content of the, some of their movies as well. They were pissed about it because I think I followed them on. I don't know if I follow Kaufman or if I follow like Troma official or whatever on Instagram and they were posting all the stuff from YouTube on there, like bitching when they got kicked off. I think so. I, what, what could possibly like, and, and don't get me wrong. I know, I know that like <laughs> trauma can be a little extreme at times, but <laughs> that was the weirdest understatement. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm trying to qualify it because so, yes, there are specific things that violate community standards, such as, like, hate speech and uh, abusive things, things, things like that. And while I have to admit that they, their films contain those things, <laughs> they're not portraying them positively, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. It's more I mean, of a sat- I mean, it, it satire like, than direct. Right, yeah. right. It would be like banning roots for people using the N-word. Like, it, it, yeah, it's in there. It's racist, but it's it's the the thing itself is not racist. It's just portraying racism, which is not the same thing, yeah. which I feel for the most part is what trauma does. Trauma portrays a lot of grotesquely offensive things but they aren't going you should do that <laughs> you know there's incest in a lot of those movies they're not going fuck your cousin Look, we can all agree that most trauma movies are just like roots okay that's not the point of the conversation. <laughs> i just uh, i would never compare the two trauma makes uh, far better movies than roots oh <laughs> Oh, there's going to be some emails being sent in about that one. Another movie. Everyone's trying to hide the fact they listen to our podcast, remember? How could they email in? They they give themselves away. That's true. 
No, it's got Jordy LaForge in it. God damn it! <laughs> I fucking love Roots. <laughs> uh, did you hear people are petitioning to have Levar Burton take over Jeopardy? That would see. It, 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 he would be good. Although I feel like J- Jeopardy, because of Alice Trebek, has developed a certain level of uh, uptight snarkiness that Trebek does, <laughs> where he. <laughs> He he's not mean, but he one hundred percent will barb contestants every once in a while and be like, "You should have known that, you piece of shit." Basically, <laughs> uh, can we just get Will Ferrell to come do Alex Trebek and host? Oh, I would pay all the money <laughs> in the world. <laughs> all of it. That's just Will Ferrell's new job. It's just playing Alex Trebek full time now. Damn it, that would be fucking funny. And completely straight. Like, it's not like a wink at the camera sort of thing. Just, right. Yeah, acts like he's Alex Trebek and he's been there the whole time. Yeah, because somehow that would both be uh, completely respectful and utterly disrespectful at the same time. <laughs> and I don't know how anyone would ever resolve those two. <laughs> Beautiful. Oh, so my original point was, so how, how, do, how do we feel about... <laughs> All these movies going straight to HBO Max. I I don't know. I I am growing more and more concerned as as COVID drags on that we are potentially witnessing the death of movie theaters, Mm -hmm. and that's not good. I I love movie theaters. I don't I don't want to go. Is it possible that instead of the death of movie theaters, though, what we'll get is studios just making smaller movies rather than trying to swing for the fences on every goddamn one. Are you fucking fucking kidding me? No. Because that's the problem, right? Like if you made a movie for $50 million, then you can open in theaters that are only allowed to have half the seats full and you'd be fine. It's because they're spending two hundred million, five hundred million dollars on a movie that that's where the problem is. What I just what I'm what I'm hoping the best I think best case scenario of what happens I I think that your scenario might be possible if Disney didn't have eleven billion dollars at all times. Yeah, like, but what I'm saying is like they can still have the occasional movie that's huge, right? Like you're still gonna have. Avengers 5 is going to be a billion dollar movie but you could have most movies be a lot smaller yeah yeah mid budget and low budget movies could come back and that's what I was going to I think best case scenario and this is pure pipe dream because nothing ever works out for the better we've we've learned that (laughs) we've been alive the last four years nothing nothing good ever happens we agree with that okay right right but it's that it puts the hurt on the big chains so bad that just they all the big chains of movie theaters collapse and maybe we see the return of smaller movie chains because that people go out and buy up their bankrupted ass buildings and stuff you know i, I and i like which would make idea. me happy 
but I don't, I don't once, and I don't believe that'll happen either. I think it'll all conglomerate, and somehow AMC will end up owning all of the other mid-sized chains, and it's just going to be one even bigger super chain that fucks all the people who loves movies even harder. <laughs> no, like I agree with that. Like, there's two big multiplexes in the town where I live, and I think what's inevitably going to happen is one company will own both and shut one of them down. I think that's just the logical progression of where things are headed. Well, it would be neat if some smaller company could buy up like one and keep, you know, it half open or something, and it could actually be different from all the other theaters and not just be exactly the same. Right. It'd be fun to like have a different theater going experience at different theaters. That's why I still go to like art house theaters once in a while, even to see movies that I could get on demand or I could, uh, Mm-hmm. could choose to see in a bigger multiplex it's just i just want to go and have that different experience i don't know i like the idea yeah, yeah. that's why weirdly if i'm on vacation and i see that there's like an independent movie theater i will try to go see a movie just because i'm like oh this is like completely different than it actually reminds me of going to movies when i was a kid because the theater i went to all the time was not a chain theater so Sometimes it's weird. It's like, yeah, the only good movie is like some rom-com, but I need to go to this movie theater since I'm in town. So, Yeah. I mean, I, I think my thing is I, I generally really enjoy one of two types of movie-going experiences. I like sticky floor, old-school, like, Cinema 2-style <laughs> movie theaters. I enjoy that. I don't know why. I, I think it just reminds me of the way cheap movie theaters were whenever I was a kid. They're they're yeah. gross. They're disgusting. The seats are nasty. I don't give a fuck. Uh, yeah. First time I touched a boob was in was in a theater just like that. Right. Right. And but also back then, going to see a movie, it was like five dollars for a ticket and five dollars for a big drink and a popcorn, which is no longer the way things are, which is sad. Um. The the other experience is I want a top hat and a cane and go to the Alamo Draft House and <laughs> laugh at the plebes as they get thrown out for looking at their phones. <laughs> like, <laughs> like I want one or the other at all times. I don't want anything else. <laughs> yeah, I'm on board with that. Yeah, I, part of me is just like, well, it's kind of a good thing for the specific the problem we're in right now where people can't go to the movies and you have all these movies that are done and they just can't do anything with them. But once 2021's over and then we can go back to the theaters, I'm afraid that Warner brothers is just like, well, fuck it. We made all this money on fucking HBO max. We don't need to push it out in theaters anymore. And then everybody else will start following I, suit. And then it's, it's not even Warner Brothers that I'm worried about. It's audiences. Audiences yeah. are becoming like, especially younger generations are more and more interested in just being at home. And you know what I mean? If, yeah. And, and in some ways, that's a good thing. Like, it's helpful right now, but it's it could mean the end of a lot of these things that we like. And there's not really anything we can do about it because we need to get like like bars and restaurants are having the same problems, right? Like it's, I like going to them, but if there's not a, if the next generation of people just decides not to, or can't afford to, or whatever, then they're going to go away. It's not going to matter that I want to go. I was, I was going to say, so 
with with the way streaming contracts and stuff work, what I don't understand is there's no feasible fucking way Warner Brothers is going to make the amount of money they make putting movies in movie theaters, putting them on HBO Max. I just don't see it. I don't either, but I still don't understand how Netflix's uh, financial model works. So what the well, fuck do I know? Net Netflix Netflix's model works because like you get paid based on this arcane percentage thing that's per view and all this kind of shit. Mm-hmm. But it, but it comes off their their bottom line, which is fine for movies that have been out for two years, which is where Netflix six. Uh, you know what I mean? You don't get a lot of straight out of theater shit going to Netflix. That you never have. That's not their their style. You know. I just don't. I I don't get it. I I could understand the idea of going straight to on demand rental because there's there's money to be made there. See, but the, but with something like HBO Max, I just can't. I can't fucking imagine they pull in the kind of money that they pull in from theaters and rentals. The thing you have to understand about modern economy is that it's all bullshit right so netflix doesn't make money by people paying subscription fees to netflix they make money by convincing people that at some point in the future they will make a lot of money off subscription fees and then investors give them money and that causes the stock market the stock price to rise and that is the new business model it's how a lot of businesses operate nowadays it's a house of cards and one day it will collapse but well, and, who knows how and that's it'll be. That, that's true to to an extent, but Netflix does turn a profit. They they are not a in the black investor money only thing. They make they legit make money. They don't make as much money <laughs> as it seems like they do because once right. again they're taking that investor money and putting it in various places. But but they do make money. I don't know. I just the, the whole thing confuddles me. Although that article that you just sent us, fucking Brian, I wish you wouldn't have fucking done that because I forgot that the fucking new Dune was a goddamn Warner Brothers product, and now I'm gonna have to get <laughs> HBO fucking Max. Bullshit. I want HBO Max. Uh, see, I have HBO, so I get it free with HBO through my cable, which is fine. Whatever. But well, don't you get HBO Go for free? Isn't Go and Max two different things? Uh, you would think so, but no, I had no idea. And I turned on my cable box, and it had a little banner that's like, "Hey, HBO subscribers get HBO Max free." Sweet. Like what? So I signed in, and sure enough, I'm like, "Oh, sweet." And I think HBO Go is going to be going away. It's all going to be. HBO Max at some point. Yeah, I don't know. So I'm just wondering then, because it's like, well, this is good for me, because I'm going to fucking watch Wonder Woman here on Christmas when it drops. But, and it didn't cost me anything. But, yeah, yeah, I don't, I guess I don't understand how that works for Warner Brothers. Like Doug said, maybe it just inflates their stock price, but I don't know. It's a weird scenario. I'm just afraid the genie's going to be out of the bottle and nobody's going to want to release to theaters anymore. And it's going to be a bummer for me because I greatly enjoy going to the movie theater. 
Yeah, I don't know. I, sure I don't. You used to enjoy going to the movie theater. You might yeah. not anymore. Who knows? It's been so goddamn long. <laughs> right. I, I was going to say I don't. I don't think we'll see the true test until we see a a true spectacle movie go straight to household and and see where the financials end up. Like we would need something like um, a Captain America movie or an Avengers type movie to do it, to know, to really know, you know what I mean? Because <laughs> you think Wonder Woman's not going to be. Listen, Wonder, Wonder Woman's going to, if, if it went to theaters, it would make money. Don't, don't get me wrong, but yeah. it would not make Avengers money. Yeah, I agree yeah. with that. Yeah. The other thing to consider is that you mentioned Disney's pockets earlier. Disney has like movies made that they could put on their streaming service and they're not because they, yeah. they also have the ability to just sit back and wait, which is something yep. I think a lot of other companies just don't have, right? They can't, Disney can start making their next project with some of their money before they make money off of the existing projects. Whereas a lot of companies are in that constant turnover. Right, right. And with Disney, you know, there's there's obviously there's been a discussion for a while now about at what point of owning intellectual property does it become an issue of antitrust? Yeah. Where and and Disney's pushing that envelope real fucking hard. <laughs> you think? Yeah. <laughs> well, if because they have the type of capital they do, if if this thing goes another year and Disney can just sit on their thumbs, th- they'll basically just be able to buy out whoever the fuck they want. Yeah. I, like I said, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know my feelings about it. Cause I am, I am usually an antitrust kind of person in favor of all these big companies need fucking sledgehammers taken to them because they're too big and they've become capitalist poison. That's destroying society. But intellectual property itself how the fuck can you say that they're like hoarding a resource when it's intellectual property like it's, yeah, exactly it's, it's not a yeah. physical thing like mm-hmm. yeah, yeah it's not it's not it's not like controlling a market when you're just buying up the different properties because anybody can still come along and make another movie right like it's right it's not, right it, it's it's i don't know all the legal ins and outs of it but i don't think it would ever really hit a point of antitrust because the only time it would do that is if they were somehow prevent, like getting movie theaters to sign contracts saying they wouldn't release other studios movies or something like that. Mm-hmm. Well, or, or continuing to buy up production studios because then they yeah. are taking physical, uh, you know, the, the physical ability to create the media, but that's not what they're buying. <laughs> no, they're they just, have no know. interest in any of that shit. Oh, like, no, they're, they're content to just buy up the property and, there's still like three people whose childhoods they don't own. So they're still trying to get their hands on those. <laughs> no, but some of that stuff fall. I mean, the intellectual property stuff falls under the copyright laws, which Disney would never, ever try to fuck with copyright laws just to better oh, themselves. I, <laughs> I thought you were going to say <laughs> Disney would never, ever let the copyright laws become something that hurts. Them. <laughs> yeah. I was just getting ready to say, it's not, it's not like Disney lobbied and got all of the copyright laws rewritten specifically so that they could keep control of a cartoon mouse. <laughs> I don't know why you would assume such things, Noah. 
They can't. They can't. They can't possibly be a thing that happened in the real world. <laughs> Shush! They'll hear you. Somebody will be sent to your house to kill you. Our podcast vanishes from the internet. I'm pretty sure the term you were looking for is the cartoon most, not a cartoon most. It's a very, very important cartoon most. Well, there's there's also that racist caricature of a Mexican mouse, but Looney Tunes is kind of pretending he doesn't exist, so Disney's letting that one slide. (laughs) They just don't need your president accusing him of trying to use his super speed to get across the border. Weirdly, I don't think Speedy Gonzalez is that bad, but they did have like his little side, yeah, yeah, his little sidekick that was super racist. Yeah, I was gonna say his his cousin's really bad. Yeah, Uh, good times. Once again, they made a cartoon of of Donald Duck joining the Third Reich and punching Nazi license plates. So. Oh, trust me, Disney's Disney's past is riddled with problems, as is Warner Brothers, as just about everybody. Oh my yeah. god, those old cartoons! I, I, there. I, I hope we never erase them, and that they're always available with with whatever yeah. disclaimers we have to put on them, because you you almost have to see them to understand like the truth of the history of. Yeah. of everything you know what i mean you're like holy shit these are kids cartoons why 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 are they supporting these awful awful things like <laughs> you're like ah well that was that's what we call time you see people back then were terrible <laughs> <laughs> yeah no i bought like a long time ago like when dvd was still like the main format long ago I bought a set of uh, droopy cartoons because I love those old droopy cartoons. Yeah. And I, and I was happy to see that there was a little disclaimer at the beginning. It's like, look, we some of these were made a long time ago, and we were kind of dicks about it. So just <laughs> just be warned. Yeah. Looney, Looney Tunes uh, has done a much better job of owning up to their history of uh, tastelessness than Disney has. Disney, Disney, if they did something bad, they erase it and pretend it never happened, which is not the right way to do things. Yeah. I agree. Good times. So everybody's yeah. nice, nice and happy and ready to talk about some movies. Yeah, I was getting ready to say, you know what Disney doesn't own? Gymnastic skills and karate kills, which is kind of both movies, which was extra delightful. <laughs> we, we we set up a podcast where the theme is um, gymnasts using their gymnastic skills to avenge the deaths of their fathers. Uh, How gym- did we do gymnasts that? Gymnasts whose dads are spies, specifically. <laughs> I, it's sort of fascinating that we pulled that off. <laughs> Somehow that is some that is a thing. Uh, well, now I know you're super excited to talk about Jim Cotta, so why don't you tell us what that's all about? Even though uh-huh. I guess we kind of just did, but <laughs> elaborate. Jim Jim Cotta, what does Jim Cotta not have? 
that's my question. Uh, so the kid is super good gymnast. His dad is sent to a foreign country. Uh, I think it's Parmistan. Parmistan? Yeah. <laughs> Something to that effect. It's like yes. Parmesan cheese mixed with some kind of yeah. <laughs> Kazakian thing going on yes i don't don't know what the fuck it is generic Uh, middle eastern slash eastern europe country that will have uh, whatever stereotypes are convenient for the moment in it yeah so this country for a foreigner to gain access to it once you get there you have to play the game uh which is like a medieval running man Mm -hmm. is is basically what the fuck's going on it sure fucking is yeah fuck fuck yeah it is uh, and so this gymnast gets trained in uh, karate and by uh, uh, a racial stereotype of an Asian dude, and he's taught like street fighting with a racial stereotype of a black dude, and then he gets to have sex with a stereotypically sexy Asian lady. <laughs> Lots of stereotypes in this movie. Every well, what's funny is only in the first half because when we get to the actual made-up country, it's full of different races. The king's a white dude whose daughter's Asian, right? <laughs> right. They, they all speak this country, English. This country is very strange. It's it's fascinating that all of the like the most racist parts of this are not the made-up country. It's the stereotypes that the guy has to be trained by in order to get to the made-up country. <laughs> Yeah, but but basically that's it. So like, it's kind of like a spy movie for the first half on the way to the country, and then once we get to the country, then it's Running Man game. Uh, in which once again, what does this movie not have? It has fight scenes with superfluous, flippy bullshit, which uh, outside of Star Wars is delightful. Like, well, it, <laughs> it, it unfortunately, keep... I think the prequels for Star Wars may have been caused by Jim Cotta. I think George Lucas, <laughs> <all the time. laughs> he was like, hmm, you know what? I can have Jedi's do superfluous flips during fights. People would like that. Uh, it's got fucking ninjas, man. Fucking ninjas. And then and then, like I said, a running man style murder game where you have to run an obstacle course that includes like rope climbing and going across a rope bridge and running through a wheat field and then entering into a town where the country keeps all of its mentally ill people. No, no, not all it's mentally ill people, just the criminally insane. <laughs> just the criminally just, insane. So, like, just if you're just like a normal mentally ill person, they must have a nice spot to put them in some hospital somewhere. But if you're a violently criminally insane, then you get put in this little village and they just leave you there to fend for yourselves. Right, right. This is not this is not like a walled complex. It's just a town. They just drop them all off in a town and they're like, hey, you're crazy. Just be crazy here. Please. They give him pigs to, to slaughter for food and right. it's a pummel horse in town square for some reason. <laughs> there's a there's a, a creepy Middle Eastern Pope with a, a backless Pope dress. <laughs> weird. That one guy wears one of those masks that they wear in India when they're working in the field, so the tigers think they're looking both directions. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, oh, it's so good. If this movie had a better theme theme song, which it does not, 
It's got a meh theme song, which is no good. It needs a badass 80s theme song. Uh, if it had that, this would be a perfect film. <laughs> there are no flaws with this movie. This movie, from, from the first shot to the last shot, may be one of the greatest movies ever made. It's like <laughs> Jaws, Jurassic Park, E.T., Chopping Mall, <laughs> Chip Cotta. <laughs> I love that list. <laughs> the, the thing you left out of your plot description is the reason he is sent to this country is because if you win the game you get like one wish it's literally like you get a wish and the u.s wants to set up a missile defense system oh in this ve- country very, very specifically so a a tower for the star wars uh laser defense system yes which was so, real so for all you know, young people that was a real thing that they wanted yeah. to make yeah, yeah no, it is um and, and that's they basically that's the plan is rather than just like establish di- diplomatic relations with this country and negotiate with them and you know maybe give them some money or some food or something so you can put up your tower just win the game and have <laughs> and have the guy make his one wish be that we're allowed to put up our tower did did you guys notice that for a game that supposedly has a whole lot of very strict rules that uh, they're never followed? Not once. We don't we don't once ever actually see an incidence of the game being run without people breaking the rules. Well, in the first time we see it, where it's just like the practice run, where they're letting those prisoners run it, we actually see that like yes, people break the rules, but then there are consequences if you break the rules. The second time around, it's explained in dialogue that in addition to everything else, there's also like a coup going on in this country. And part of the coup is to break the rules of the game to make sure nobody wins. Did you not pick up on that subtlety? Well, I did. But actually, see, the first time we see the game is the dad playing the game and he gets murdered by the guy who breaks the rules. Oh, right. I forgot about that. Yeah, right. But he doesn't actually get murdered because somehow he's magically alive later in the movie in one of the most ridiculous plot twists ever (laughs) right right i was gonna say and then the second time we see the game the first guy that dies is the guy who shot while climbing which is against the rules right but then the second guy that dies is the guy that shot him that's his immediate punishment for breaking the right 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 i get that they're trying to establish that the rules need to be followed but the problem is once again not a lot of rule following so so it kind of makes all the rules irrelevant but it does lead to that really cool fucking scene where the guy is crawling out he's doing the like hand over hand across that gorge and the ninja guy like jumps out and dangles from the rope by his leg so that he can shoot an arrow at the guy because once they're in the same field of play he's allowed to shoot him and that's fucking awesome when that ninja guy is hanging off that rope and using his bow and arrow i'm like yeah. that is so cool yeah it's pretty dope although when it, when the guy twists uh the arrow cocks sideways because it was the 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 prop arrow was affixed to his clothing rather than being affixed to his skin. I don't know if you noticed that. <laughs> no, we don't, we don't need to worry about little details like that. It was just something funny. Like, no, once again, I'm not complaining. This movie is a flawless movie. Everything about this movie is fine. <laughs> they, they should never they, give me a better soundtrack in, in, this movie's fucking gold. That's that's it. Maybe if I were going to make one change to this film, I would edit down the sound effects on the punching. That really cheesy 80s like sound oh, no. effect. Whenever anybody punches or kicks. No, because it's straight up. That's that's straight up the kung fu uh, bullwhip crack punch sound. And, and that's so fucking perfect. 
because they're almost saying, hey, we're making a kung fu movie, but not. <laughs> uh, this movie has what is uh, not only the greatest tagline of all time, but quite possibly the most honest tagline of all time. <laughs> <laughs> because, you know, it says this is the movie with gymnastic skills and uh, karate kills, and there is no shortage of either. <laughs> they deliver you both those things in spades. Yeah, he really... I will give credit to the main actor and to the choreographers. They've really found a way to make it look like he's using his gymnastic skills to beat people up, which is fascinating because it doesn't sound like something that could possibly happen. But he does it a lot. There's also a lot of him just randomly doing flips because he can and he wants to show off for the camera. And I <laughs> can't say I blame him for that because I would too. But he really uses a lot of his gymnastic skills. He's swinging off of the bars. His any, Anything you do in gymnastics, he uses it to beat people up in this movie. And it's pretty fascinating. This, this movie contains one of the greatest fight scenes ever placed into a film. And that is this guy taking out about 80 to 100 people by doing pummel horse. (laughs) (laughs) It's just constant. He's up there. Which I was trying to figure out, like, what is that thing? Like, why is that in the square? Like, that's a pummel horse, is what that is. No, it's totally a pummel horse, but it's like, why is it in the square? Is it like, is it something they use for whatever? No, No, just a pummel horse. I thought there's a possibility that that it's a stockade. it's, I think it's supposed to be a stockade, but that is the insane people's decorative pummel horse. <laughs> <laughs> I will say, as soon as he escapes the large, large group of insane people, I do think this is where the one flaw in the movie comes in. Because you get the... He goes into that one like alleyway where he's trapped, and he climbs up the walls, and it's really cool. And then he gets up there, and there's these like metal grates, and he's trying to figure out how to get in them so he can John McClane his way out of the uh, out of the place, and he can't get the things off, and it's like all tense, like as if he's stuck. And then the guy that's obviously his dad, because he's it's I've known it was his dad for about twenty minutes of movie time at this point, so I'm not really <laughs> shocked when he comes walking along and it's his dad comes along to help him, and all he does is like reach down and lift him up, and there's like a a landing where you can just stand and walk around about a foot above where he had already climbed to. <laughs> so I don't know why he could climb the first 12 feet straight up and then couldn't make that last foot. It doesn't make any sense or, at all. Or why he thought that ripping iron grating out of a window would be easier than climbing up a foot. Yeah, because he literally climbs up the foot and you can just now you're just on a walkway that takes you to the edge of the village and you can just jump over the outside wall and you're free to go. <laughs> but he's like, no, I, like... I gotta go through this. I do like the fact that that whole scene is delightful and the fact that it's like, he's saved, it's his dad, and his dad's like, ah, you know, be careful, son, I'm very proud of you. And he's like, oh, dad, you're alive, this is so great, and then, whap, dad killed. <laughs> <laughs> I don't believe his dad's killed, I believe his dad is just shot in the back with an arrow, because don't they bring his dad with him at the end when he wins the game? I, I, I think know. you see his dad, like, slumped over on a on a horse in the background like getting brought in maybe it's just the dad's body i'm not sure yeah i was i was gonna say another flaw directly before that between him uh attempting to rip out the iron grating and uh doing the most magnificent pommel horse of all time there's a five minute scene of him running away from this 
giant town full of people in which I find it hard to believe anyone's ever won this game because I don't give a fuck how much of a badass you are. You can't take on a city like you just can't. No one can do that. It has uh, been Chuck Norris can do that. It had been 900 years since somebody won the game, though, right? So makes sense. Yeah, like you're, you're correct. It's very rare for somebody to win the game. Right. But so he gets off the pommel horse and proceeds to run from these people in slow motion. That's a problem for me. And that slow motion is a solid five minutes and not 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 speed up slow motion, speed up slow motion. No, five minutes, solid slow motion. Let me tell you something. There are a total of three slow motion scenes in this movie and they all piss me off. You know how I feel about this. <laughs> right. <laughs> Uh, well, sounds like you two loved this movie. God damn it, Brian. If you didn't fucking love <laughs> Jim Cotta, we're about to have issues here. Uh, yeah, it was all right. What, what could possibly be your complaint? I feel like it took so fucking long for the actual game to start. They had to run around in that city and get chased by secret agents or whatever the fuck was going on. I guess. Yeah, it was but... the 80s. He had to shoot some people with guns before he moved on to the game where you're not allowed to use guns. He had to take out six gangsters and one accidental bystander by doing the parallel bars. It was yeah. it was a lot of like, let's train for this. All right, fine. But when that guy has those like, axe things and he's doing the training montage, it's fucking badass. Then let's get to this country. That took forever. And then let's not do the actual game. Let's let these prisoners run the game. <sighs> and then the final, finally the game happens, and I feel like the game wasn't all that interesting. Jesus Christ. <laughs> God damn it, Brian. I told you on chat this was going to be a controversial episode. I thought you were talking about the next movie, and I thought didn't, this is not the controversy I thought we were getting into. Oh, right. <laughs> um, anyways... Um, I was kind of bored by a lot of it. Holy shit. I just, that's fascinating. Yeah. Bored. Bored is the wrong emotion to feel. (laughs) (laughs) Elation, uh, a slight fit of giggling insanity, maybe, but not bored. Um, I will give you that if we weren't in a lockdown right now and I could watch this with a group of people, I probably would have had a much better time, but I did not. So I did not have as good of a time. I think I know what the problem is. I think the problem is that he spent so much time learning to walk on his hands at the beginning and it didn't really pay off when he was, I think that's what <laughs> that, that, see, that that's the, true. That the, the, the Chekhov's hand walking that, the stairs, it never really pays off. And I think if yes, I had to look at his taint so anymore while he's walking on his hands and there wasn't even a payoff. <laughs> Bullshit. Yeah, I was I was gonna say it's like the reverse of Chekhov's gun. They're like, if you show a gun in the first act to throw that shit in the trash. <laughs> he really oh actually there's, it's, that's there's so many random whenever he's crossing the bridge and he for a brief moment turns sideways and basically does a parallel bar swing so that he can kick up into a handstand in order to look back and see if the guys are coming. Yeah, it's just one of the most over the top 
fantastical useless things that's ever been done to movie. I would guesstimate at least ten instances where he jumps up on something, does a cool flip off in the middle of a fight, but not he's not jumping up there to get away from anyone. He's not flipping off as part of a an offensive maneuver. It's just there's a small break in the action. I think I'll jump up on that, flip off of it. <laughs> it's just it just keeps happening in this movie and it's hilarious. I like I do like the final battle against uh whatever his name is, Harry Chest von Douchebag. <laughs> uh fake fake Chuck Norris. Yeah. That he's getting his ass kicked through the woods, right? Until he runs over and finds a perfectly flat clearing. <laughs> where now this. now his tumbling skills come into play. <laughs> For it yeah. is the floor show. <laughs> it is hilarious because you see him. It's almost like he picks out the spot to run over to. He's like, that's where I could really use my gymnastic skills to pull off some karate kills. And he just, just <laughs> jogs over and stops and turns around with like a, just an unreasonable amount of confidence. You like, can now now I've got this fixed. Now I know how to deal with this. That's what I'm you you may be able to dodge my punches and kicks, but how about this double cartwheel round off? <laughs> it's genuinely fascinating. And then when he finally grabs him, he, he grabs him in like a a leg head hold, and it looks like he's going to do some kind of a hurricane rana, but he doesn't really. They both just collapse to the ground. And it's like, oh, well, that wasn't even, that wasn't even anything. You just reached your legs up there and grabbed his head. And you just, you just see him squeezing for what feels like an awfully long time to have another man's head between your legs. And then you hear this awesome crunching sound. You're like, I guess that fight's over. I know what a neck breaking in the 80s sounds like. <laughs> it's a, It sounds suspiciously like somebody twisting a head of celery. <laughs> Really, it, it does, actually, now that you bring it up. Well, uh, that's that's because that's what the Foley people use for that. <laughs> that's what they actually did. In, in several things, yeah. All right. I am so disappointed that you don't love this movie, Brian. <laughs> God damn. Uh, and I thought I would. It was so fucking fun. It's just, yeah. It's... I mean... What a ridiculous idea that this whole country is surrounded by this, like, running man game that they play. And the world that they exist in is just fascinating. Because it's like the real world, and they're like, but this one country that you can only get to by a rubber raft. Because it doesn't have an airport, even though it's a, the 80s. But they get in there, and for some reason the king is like, we were talking about Lloyd Kaufman earlier, didn't the king kind of remind you of him? Yeah. It's like... <laughs> He's well, like, they, why is the king a cartoon character and and is and a different race than his own daughter? Well, they it's were weird. they were talking they were talking about the fact that that country is remote and cut off, and they refuse to modernize. They're yeah. trying to keep the old ways. Yeah, the old ways are cartoonish, and it's great. Well, the old ways are every time somebody comes to visit you from out of town, they have to play a murder game. <laughs> What about what about at the end when the coup finally starts happening for no reason? Because we like most of us have probably forgotten that there was a coup at this point because it's just been dialogue until then. So now the <laughs> king, who's this like again Lloyd Kaufman s character, just picks up a sword and starts going hand to hand with the ninjas and taking a bunch of them out. And you're like, wait a minute, how come he can do all that? 
Because he's a badass motherfucker. He gets out to like the the town folks, and he just starts like like the whole country lives in like one city, I think. Because when the priest or the king has like a, an announcement to make, he just goes out his front door and yells it, and it well, seems to be the new law of the land. Two two cities. There's <laughs> two, yeah, there's, there's capital city and insane city. Fair enough. That's the village of the damned, I believe. They actually refer to it as that. Right. <laughs> so Jim fucking Kata. I haven't seen this movie since the 80s, and it was fascinating how much of it I could suddenly remember as it was happening. I'm like, oh, wait. Like, I'm like, I'm like that, the next guy's going to be his dad, I think. Yep, there he is. Okay, there he is. And then next is the village, and I remember the guy with the thing on the, the face on the back of his head. All that shit. And I'm just like, oh, this is fascinatingly good. Yeah, the funniest thing is I... I was pretty much in the same spot. The big thing that happened to me is he runs into the, like the city of crazy people. And I was like, that's weird. I don't remember there being a city of crazy people. And then all of a sudden he gets into that town square where they're coming from all directions. And I was like, the bomb horse. I do remember. (laughs) All right. So recommends all times. (laughs) Yeah. We're overriding Brian's position. Sure, yeah, if you fine. if you have not seen Jim Cotta, see Jim Cotta. I mean, I feel like we've said enough about it that it's like you know whether you're gonna like this or not by now. There's not really, I don't know how much nobody's gonna watch this and, and go meh, whatever. <laughs> well, I was just talking... like all the other movies about murder games being played in these weird half Middle Eastern, half Eastern Europe countries. I was I was talking about how great it was with Shar in. Uh... Shar Shar actually watched uh, Never Too Young to Die with me. <laughs> Unf- unfortunate for her. Oh. But uh, she, she was like, yeah, that one was so bad. Was this one bad too? And I was like, yeah, it's so it's bad in, in a certain way, but it's fucking great. Because <laughs> it's one of those movies with just a ridiculous premise. The premise is so fucking out there; it just doesn't make any damn sense. And they just committed, and they were like, "No, we're making this movie. That's what that's what's happening." It's. I have to assume that they had this gymnast guy, and they're like, "This guy's got to be a movie star. How do we make a movie out of this?" And I know the technically the movie's based on a book, but it's like they have to have been searching for something to put this guy in. I forgot gymnastic skills. I forgot it was based on a book. I almost think I need to find this book and read it because I need to know how similar to the movie Jim Cotta the book actually is. I don't even know how you would describe that many flips. There's not enough adjectives to describe flips for the amount (laughs) he does in this movie. I was going to say, R.A. Salvatore could make a run at it, but... I'm only going to guess that early on in the movie when he's trying to flirt with the princess girl and he's literally just, he talks in his own voice, then he does a backflip and lands facing the opposite direction and talks in her voice and then does a backflip and lands facing the opposite direction and talks in his own voice and keeps doing that until she finds it cute. I don't think that's in the book. I think you, that was just... You mean the scene where he forcefully kisses a woman who has literally <laughs> never said a word to him? Correct. Problematic. <laughs> and then she she threatens to stab him for it, so his solution is do it again. And then she's like, "Fuck all this," and tosses the knife into the wall. It's it's an issue. 
It was the eighties, though. What are you gonna do? So John Stamos. Uh, all right, we two are done gushing about uh, Jim Cotta. We might come back to it. Okay. Uh, so we followed that up with uh, Never Too Young to Die, which has a young John Stamos as a gymnast who apparently his big thing is jumping on a trampoline. Nice. Uh, okay. Let's get it out of the way early. John Stamos did not learn any gymnastic skills for this. <laughs> Every, everything John Stamos does on screen, any one of us could do. That's true. We wouldn't look as good doing it because we don't have that sweet, sweet mullet. But <laughs> we would. We could, everything he does, we could do. I was, was going to say there is literally nothing in the world that John Stamos can do that I could also do and look as good as John Stamos doing. <laughs> this the weird thing is John Stamos could remake this movie today and not not look that much older than what he did when this movie was originally filmed. I was trying to look at the dates. Is this during Full House? I think this is like directly before Full House. Okay, because I, I was thinking it was, I thought I looked at the date. It was a year after Full House started. I was like, what the fuck? This is peak John Stamos. This might this, have been. This uh, John Stamos on top of the world. This This might have been. Filmed like before and then didn't come out until uh till after Full House started. Let's see. Uh What's year bef- year before. It says Full House is eighty seven, this is eighty six. Who who wants to explain the plot of this movie? Because uh I don't think I can. Um so John Stamos's dad is a secret agent, as we implied earlier. Literally played by a former James Bond, George yep. Lazenby. He gets killed by a hermaphroditic Gene Simmons, who has a plan to dump toxic waste into the drinking water for Los Angeles. Am I getting the town right, or was it some other? I don't believe they ever say the name of the yeah. city in the entire movie. Um, and so when when John Samos finds out his dad used to be a spy. He gets roped into sort of trying to stop this with a few of his dad's old compatriots. Um, gymnastics plays actually very little in this movie. It really does. Mentioned. It's funny because like the whole beginning of the movie is like, while the dad is being killed, this is actually from the last movie. This exact same thing happened though. While the dad is being killed, we're seeing all the son doing the gymnastics, like almost like they go hand in hand. Like this is what the dad was really good at. And this is what the son's really good at. And then the gymnastics pretty much goes away in this one. Yeah. Um, so yeah, then they kidnap, kidnap just as in the last movie we had the, Sexy Asian woman. Hold, hold, uh, this hold on. One. You're, you're skipping over the fact that his roommate in gymnast oh, yeah. college happens yeah. to be a, uh, a computer literate Asian guy who invents spy tools for no reason. Yeah. He's pretty much his cue. He, for you James Bond fans. Okay. He's not. Let's be honest. He's data from the Goonies. Fair enough. Uh, I think he's literally data from the Goonies, just grown up a little bit. He's also, he played uh, the actor, played one of the three storms in Big Trouble in Little China. Oh, really? 
This yeah. was, I think, his debut film. This one. So. Nice. Um. <clears throat> so then, as the last movie had a hot Asian lady that the intag- protagonist falls in love with, uh, this one has a uh, questionably ethnic woman that he falls in love with. Uh, that would be singer, songwriter, actress, and Playboy model Vanity. That's correct. Uh, pretty much discovered and supported question mark by Prince. He had this weird habit of finding female singers and then pretty much attributing all their success to him. I don't know. Um, and then, then later in life, she got super duper Christian and turned her back on Hollywood as a whole. So good times. That's weird after seeing her naked that many times. Right. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, they have to stop hermaphroditic Gene Simmons from polluting the drinking water and secret agent shenanigans ensue. Yeah. So, so here's the thing. So Jim Cotta, right. Mm. Has, has a nobody cast. Like nobody that was involved in that film or in that film or uh, got coffee for people on that film ever worked again. (laughs) (laughs) Sure. And it's and it's a treasure. This movie has a great fucking cast. Like it really does. I mean, John, I'm I don't think John Stamos is winning any awards ever for anything. I think he just happens to be a very charismatic, good-looking guy. The mm-hmm. end. Yeah, and that's why he worked as uh, Uncle Jesse. True. In in fuck. Hold up. I'm I'm pulling it up because the cast list is nuts. Uh, you got Robert England as an evil henchman, right? He's the he's the scientist that knows how to make the water get contaminated. Mm-hmm. So they bring him in to like run a really cheesy '80s computer model <laughs> of watching the water get contaminated. And and he's in such a little bit part too, which is kind of upsetting. It's yeah. weird. It's weird because he's like fourth on the cast list too, and you're like, why? is he so high on the cast list if he's this small of a part? Like, I think maybe some stuff got cut out, which is kind of fascinating with everything that goes on in this movie, that something got cut out. That idea is sort of flabbergasting, but I think that's yeah. what might have happened. Yeah, but so so we've got, we've got a talented cast. We've clearly got at least some budget for a movie, you know, to hire these people in, in whatever... <laughs> Like I'm, they're not super expensive actors, but you still got to pay them. Mm-hmm. Uh, s- some of the special effects aren't that you know. There's some explosions and and shit like that, and high speed chases, etc. That's all expensive. And yet, what the fuck did they do? <laughs> like, because doesn't it feel like somehow every decision in this movie? is a bad decision. Like the, everything about it, like this, this movie is like watching a train wreck of filmmaking. See, I think what you're mistaken is you're saying, well, they've made a lot of bad decisions. I feel they made no decisions. 
I feel like there was two directors and one were like, we should make this more like the Goonies. And somebody else was like, no, we should make it more like Mad Max. And then they just tried to do both because they don't want to make decisions. They're like, no, yeah, that's it. You're saying nobody made decisions, but I would argue Gene Simmons very much made a decision of what his character was going to be like in this movie. And honestly, I applaud it. But let's let's sit back and say characters. Minor spoiler alert: Gene Simmons does play two different characters. It's true. Right, right. So I was going to bring that up because mistake number one: when we were watching this movie, me and Shar kept talking about it because we didn't realize that was him in the makeup. I, I don't know if you guys did or not. In the second, I'll tell you this: I did not in, know it was him in the in the makeup with like the fake beard and the big wig. But I was wondering, why is that the only character in the movie with a wig and a fake beard that looks so obvious? It (laughs) never occurred to me that it was Gene Simmons, though. I I kept saying, I don't know what's going on with this actor or this character or what the fuck they're doing. But the red hair and the beard don't match his voice or his skin tone or like anything. And what I kept saying is it reminded me of like Fred Armiston playing one of his random <laughs> characters on Saturday night live. Do you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> totally. Yeah. That makes perfect sense. Yeah. And that's what I kept saying. I was like, <laughs> I, I keep expecting to look at it and it be Fred Armiston. I do not understand what, what the fuck is happening with this character in this movie. And then at the end, whenever the reveal happens, I was like, okay, well, at least it makes sense that I wasn't going crazy. I would you know, I wasn't like, <laughs> just seeing something that wasn't there uh i was gonna ask you uh if <laughs> if the reveal worked for anybody i mean i figured it out i didn't realize that the like the first couple scenes he was in but when they're like for whatever reason hanging out outside of whatever house john stamos is in and he's just sitting around looking through the binoculars i was like oh that's gene simmons like so <laughs> So this guy is evil, and he's been portraying this guy the whole time. Got it. That's funny. Maybe I wasn't paying enough attention to quite pick up on it. Not sure. I was kind of weirded out by the whole, like, when he's watching, when they're watching him in the house. Because we're we're jumping around a lot onto the various plot points here, but everything was so (laughs) messed up in this movie. Yeah, it's it's all so muddled. And it looks looks like it was shot with a camcorder. The entire film does. (laughs) It didn't look that bad to me, but But you don't think so. It looks, it's so bad. Like it's, it's got that weird thing where it's somehow it's both too clean and, uh, still shitty at the same time. (laughs) Like I did, like they did both. Sure. I just think they don't have really good prints cleaned up of this movie to make available. I think that's where the issue is. The one I watched was pretty cleaned up. Yeah. yeah, no, I'm saying it's bright. It's bright and it's it's fine and all that kind of stuff. It just it looks like it was shot with a camcorder. Like somebody was holding a camcorder the entire time. No no tracks, no dollies. Just just a dude with fairly steady hands holding a camcorder and shooting this film. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if I noticed much about the way it was shot or the quality of the film. Batter. But I, like, doesn't matter. I I was just more confused by like every plot point. Oh, totally. And like, and <laughs> not like even makes no sense. Let, let's this. You want to sum up this scene in in uh, 
there's a scene in this movie where there first of all these two people john stamos and the girl that he's partnered up with are back at his house and they're like basically supposed to be serving as bait for to get the gene simmons character to come and kidnap them and the army's going to be waiting for him, right? Okay. It, it makes no sense plot-wise, but at least Dick can understand the concept of what's supposed to be happening in that scene. Well, then they start getting all flirtatious with each other, and she decides she's going to seduce John Stamos, and he's trying to, you know, he's like, I'm not going to let this girl seduce me. I'm going to go inside and get various pieces of fruit, and every time I come back out, I'll eat it and stare at her, and then I'll go back in and get another one. And that happens several times. And already you're like, it's a little weird. And then they, like, they end up going... They, from a, just from a plot perspective, it's like they know they're being watched, right? Like they know that that's the whole reason they're there is for these other people to watch them, and then they disappear inside for like sexual escapades. And you're like, well, that this is part of an ongoing plan to stop like this criminal who's trying to kill millions of people. Maybe hold off and have your sex later. Like it doesn't make any sense. But then in the context of the way it's shot, it makes even less sense. Because the, fa- the fact that the seduction is shot completely weirdly PG and then they have sex that, and they're that's naked. Exactly what I was going <laughs> to yeah. bring up. Like the opening seduction is done like a kid's movie seduction. It is like, like even at one point she's taking off like her outer layer of clothing to strip down to a bikini. And they like, they don't even show her taking the shorts off. She kind of does that thing where they, the camera's still on her face and you can see her kind of bend over to do it. And you're like, this is really PG. And then it's like a minute later, she's naked and there's like a close up on her butt while it's thrusting. And I'm like, what just happened? Like, this is not, this, this can't be the same movie. Right. And, and if you look, so there's during the seduction scene, she does this whole thing where she's clearly topless and like spraying her tits with a hose. Yeah, what? just fucking weird. <laughs> yeah. And Again, knowing full well there's a whole regiment of army guys up there with binoculars watching. Right, right, 100%. And once again, me, me talking about the editing and the, the weird camera work of this movie, that shot is clearly cropped. Clearly. <laughs> like, because yeah. the aspect ratio is off and it's like grittier, grainier and stuff. They cropped out a wider shot of her naked spraying herself with a hose, which which that shot makes more fucking sense. (laughs) It it would have made more sense for them to show her tits during the seduction scene and not shown them in the sex scene. (laughs) It's just weird. Yeah. Can we can we discuss Gene Simmons's gang for a while? And why was, why was sure. everything else set in the normal world-ish, right? Normal-ish world, in as much as it's a, a spy movie with, you know, secret agents and stuff, and they have all the special special gadgets and stuff. And then for some reason, that gang is straight out of a Mad Max movie. I was going to say, what Mad was going Max, on there? Mad Max and or weird, gritty movie, uh, early 90s New York, I guess like some weird of, yeah. roving punk gang. Yeah, like, but it felt very post post apocalyptic. Like they all lived at this like, I don't know what that place was that they all lived in. It was like just, it looked almost like an amphitheater. And they all, there was like, you know, like middle of the day, if you show it up, they're just all standing around like they're having fights for fun, smashing beer cans, and they've all got all these like weird like axes and shit as weapons. And you're like, what is happening right now? And this is all just happening in like a modern world with a like a Bond like guy who's gonna have to stop them. And I'm like, well, that doesn't seem to make sense to me. 
And they like they hang out at this club where Gene Simmons performs a nightclub act, which, by the way, if you're running a gang like this, you do not have time to also perfect your nightclub act. That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> but like it's this weird fucking bar where they drive their motorcycles right in. The one guy rides right up to the bar and they hand him like a beer and some motor oil for his bike. Like that's a joke. And I'm like, well, hold, hold on. You're missing an important plot point. All of their motorcycles have horse heads on them so not that all. it looks like they're riding metal horses only some have that not all of them <laughs> and it's fucking weird right like why is that gang from like a whole other movie <laughs> i don't understand I, don't I was hoping one of you guys could explain it to me because the idea yeah. of like the well, goonies grow up one of their dads is a secret agent so we're going to, he's going to end up taking over as, his, as the secret agent for his dad and he's going to go solve the crime and his buddy's going to help him. And all of that, like, yeah, okay, it's the 80s. That's the kind of shit that happened in movies. But then to turn around and have it be up against this weird Gene Simmons character and his <laughs> fucking Beyond Thunderdome gang is fucking weird. <laughs> okay, so. I don't have an answer for you. <laughs> I, I, I have I have a question that as as three straight white dudes we're not qualified to answer, but I have to ask it anyway. Sure. Gene Simmons's character is that progressive for that time, <laughs> or is it grotesquely insulting? Um, I'll, I'm going to say progressive because during the nightclub scene. Uh, most of his band and the dancers were actual transvestites who apparently gave him pointers on how to play the character. Okay. okay. I'm going to disagree. Okay. And I'm going to say that he is, or she, however you want to word it, is uh, offensive because A, they keep saying hermaphrodite instead of transgendered person. Those are two different things. And well, that's I not think he's, really cool. I think he's, supposed to be a hermaphrodite i don't think so i think they just don't know what the words mean no i know so. I, I think i think legit they meant it i think he is supposed to have both uh lady parts and dude parts i don't think so that's because not, at the end of the movie character. you see gene simmons's lady tits which is really weird yeah and upsetting <laughs> no but like not, i, th- I not, think it's not because not because it's a dude with lady tits because it's Gene Simmons' lady tits. <laughs> I think it's, I believe what's supposed to be happening is the character is meant to be transitioning. Born male and now identifies as female and is going through the process. I don't know the words to use that aren't offensive. So, but I, and I think, sure. I think you guys are assuming that it was a hermaphrodite because they refer to it as a And I don't think that that's what they meant. I think they were well, just I th- I think it's a hermaphrodite because they they refer to him as a hermaphrodite and he says multiple times I am a man and I am a woman. Right. And then this is where when I Which get means to, it's I, not a, a specific gender identity. My my next well it was the 80s the terms gender identity didn't exist. Um certainly nobody was going to research it and try to make an accurate portrayal of it. But my second point about why I think it's grossly offensive is because in that final fight scene, for most of the movie, Gene Simmons' character's gender is irrelevant. It doesn't really matter, right? Mm-hmm. It's just a quirky character. In the final fight scene with him or her and John Stamos on that fucking bridge thing, right? First of all, John Stamos says, you're 
you're like half man, half woman. And that's why I'm better than you, because I'm all man. So there you go. <laughs> yeah. It's not progressive. I don't care what anyone says. No, agreed. Agreed, it, that's bad. Uh, if it wasn't I'm a, a hero yelling that, I might... Well, I didn't say the entire movie was progressive. I said <laughs> yeah. the way Gene Simmons' character was portrayed was progressive. But then... But, the dialogue is definitely yeah. not. He turns I, I was, around and starts doing things like, like Gene Simmons is about to throw John Stamos off the side of the thing. And he's like, oh, I just noticed how pretty you were. And all of a sudden Gene Simmons is like taken aback by, yeah, <laughs> I can't believe tough. somebody with a mullet like that would compliment me in such a way. And that's how John Stamos gets the upper hand. Yeah, that was dumb. Just well, like, he also it. got the upper hand by biting his weird, his weird dude tits. Man, yeah. I wish they hadn't put those in this movie. <laughs> they're ha- they're haunting. Like that the is thing a is... haunting fake set of boobs. It's really weird. Gene Simmons is fucking weird enough. You don't need to do this, and you don't need to then go into this territory of being offensive. Um, but there, like there is this weird thing that, like, I think we've talked about this before with other movies in like the eighties. Like, gay was like synonymous with evil. Right, so I was I was gonna say that. That's make, that's the biggest problem. He's, a, he's just, the, the evil gay. Yeah, they yeah. would just take yeah. the, the bad guy and just make him gay, and it was like shorthand for evil. And that you know what I mean. And it's it's I don't know. I don't really understand why that ever was. It doesn't make sense to me. But it's um, yeah. that's how it was back then. And it, it's oftentimes you'll see it. It's just a character behaving effeminately. Um, in this case, they've gone to the extreme because everything in this fucking movie goes to the extreme. <laughs> like his murder nail? Murder nail. <laughs> yeah, that was a fun little quirk for an 80s villain to have. Like, that's something a Bond villain would have. It's just one fingernail that for some reason is like long and pointy and you can stab people with it. <laughs> I was going to say, the, the other weird thing, so for the most part, I'm actually pretty cool with Gene Simmons's portrayal of the character. Like it's badly written and, and that kind yeah. of stuff, but, yeah. but he does come off as kind of, I don't know, quirky and menacing and all that kind of sure. stuff. He achieves what they want him to achieve. Even he's if what, he's still he's limits under all that. Right. Like, so it doesn't really matter. Sure. Right. But there's, there's a couple like weird decisions they make. So Gene Simmons came up with this really kind of haunting, crazy laugh for the yeah. character. And I don't know why, but once again, because this, this movie is just them making bad decisions again and again and again, <laughs> somebody went, Oh, that's cool. Um, could you do that for two and a half minutes while the camera just lingers directly on your face? <laughs> and we're going to do that about three more times through the rest of this movie. Mm-hmm. Well, there may have been a clause in Gene Simmons's contract that you have to do a close up on his face for two and a half minutes, three times in the movie. That seems like something he would put in. <laughs> it was just, I like just so many fucking weird decisions. And, and like, Having Robert England as the weird scientist guy was great until we move forward a little bit in the film and we're outside of the sciencey stuff. And then all of a sudden he becomes like Gene Simmons's character's weird little science gimp bitch. <laughs> it's, 
where all of a sudden he's like crouched next to the throne and in drinking Gene Simmons's bash backwash and shit. <laughs> I, I don't know. Like it, it's so it's, there's just so much fucking wrong with this movie and weird with this movie. Like they set up these cool gadgets and then like the gadgets never work. Which, I think that's supposed to be a running joke. Yeah. It, yeah. Which maybe it's supposed to be a running joke, but it's, it also like, becomes like a shit MacGuffin. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't, it doesn't fucking work. Like you're, you're, you're wasting time in the movie setting up things for later in the movie. They just instantly don't pan out. And it's not like they work for a little while and then something happens. No, they just don't, they just don't work ever. I think part of your problem is just the sound effect they use when that one big fire gun doesn't work. And every time it's like, every time they shoots and it doesn't go off properly and it's like oh i didn't know that we were in a bugs bunny cartoon i wasn't prepared for that noise to happen several times throughout the movie yeah i do i do like the fact that that gun does one of two things every time you pull the trigger uh either it fires an explosive fireball capable of killing 20 men or (laughs) it it limply scuttles out a little burnt out flare like a like a weak ejaculation here's here's what I'm thinking I'm thinking if you're the US military and you're trying to stop a post-apocalyptic gang from poisoning the entire drinking water for whatever town this is maybe use some of the weapons you already have and don't just hope that some college kid will show up and bring a weapon with them (laughs) Because it's possible that that doesn't make any fucking sense. Like, this kid shows up. First of all, so you got John Stamos and his roommate both have motorcycles. John Stamos' motorcycle is destroyed at the nightclub where the guys ride around with their horsehead motorcycles. So he takes his buddy's motorcycle to go back up to the farm and try to figure out what's going on. Then a few minutes later, his buddy shows back up on a motorcycle, and they realize it's stupid, so they write in the dialogue that, hey, where'd you get this? And the friend says, oh, I put it on your credit card. And then they move on, like, as if that's the real answer. (laughs) And he's like, I came all the way up here, and I brought this big fire gun that works about 45% of the time. And then they're just running around, and now they're just part of the military. And it's like, what the hell is happening in this movie? (laughs) To the point where when they're getting in like a helicopter to leave, he's like, don't take your real weapons. Take this one. 45% of the time, it'll kill 20 men. So, (laughs) And they just do it. They're just like, yeah, let's go with that. Yeah, there's all sorts of stuff. So... I was talking about the fact that Jim Cotta did not have a sweet theme song tailored for the movie, right? This movie attempted to do that, but the entire theme song is like, Starburn! Starburn! And, and, I, kept being, well, and I kept being like, what the fuck are they talking about? I was like, am I mishearing what they're saying? And then Three quarters of the way through the movie, you find out that his last name is Starburn. It's Starburn. Like, for Star- oh, Stargrove. Star- Starburns is the guy from Community. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Stargrove. But, but you don't find it out till halfway through the movie. And I was like, oh, okay. Well, now the opening makes sense. <laughs> like, uh, no, they, I thought they. I think they, I think we knew his name a long time ago because we yeah. learned that 
we learned it from the dad when the dad was doing the underground stuff. Okay. Well, still, I was I was just like, I don't know what the fuck they're talking but about. You're, but you're you're so off your game here tonight. No, I'm sorry. I have to point this out. <laughs> that Jesus. is not the theme song for the movie. The theme theme song for the movie is called Never Too Young to Die, and it plays over the end credits. And it's more to your taste of what you think a theme song for a movie like this should be. Well, that's that is true. I do I do enjoy the end theme credit song way better than the opening theme credit song. I don't know. This this movie has I, I have such fu- mixed emotions about it. This I will say this in the end. I think I really did have fun watching this movie. But I think I had fun watching this movie the same way it's fun to watch somebody wreck a NASCAR really bad. <laughs> uh, for sure, you're laughing at this movie, not with this movie, and that's problematic. As, you know, if we're trying to tell people whether they should watch a movie or not or what we think of it, it's like, don't mistake us enjoying talking about this movie for the fact that this is a good movie. It certainly is not. Uh, I liked this movie more than I did Jim Cotta. You're fucking crazy. <laughs> Fuck, Ryan. Uh, what is wrong with you uh, this week? Did you hit your head know. earlier or something? I don't know. I just. You have Corona now? You know, I just, uh, I think I love it because it's so weird and I had no fucking clue what was going to happen one moment to the next. Well, that's fair because it doesn't make any fucking sense. No, so. it totally doesn't. But, uh, I think that's what I loved about it. Yeah. It, it, once again, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna fault you because I did have a lot of fun watching. I just didn't have fun watching it because of, <laughs> of anything that the filmmakers intended to do. Like, no, it's, it's one of those movies too, where it's like, everything is like overly choreographed. Like they'll just say like we're going to go over here and we'll do this. And then they go over there and they do that. And you're like, but how did they know to go there? Like there was no scene of investigation. There was no line of dialogue explaining how they knew where to go. They walk in. It's like the good guys walk in, even though it's a college kid and his roommate. And they're like shooting all the bad guys and picking them all off and never getting hit themselves. He's not using his gymnastic skills at all, which is very upsetting. All that shit. There's like all sorts of scenes too, where it's like when the friend shows up, He's wearing his motorcycle helmet, and so John Stamos doesn't know who it is, and he jumps on him and tackles him, and he's like, wait, it's me, and I brought you a weapon. It's like, okay, fun little scene, but it's the only scene in the entire movie where anyone riding a motorcycle wears a helmet. Every other scene, they're not wearing a helmet, <laughs> including the scene immediately following that moment where they get up, get on the motorcycle, and drive away. So it's like, it's all just, I don't know. It's like they had a bunch of ideas, and they're like, well, we don't need to write a way for him to get from this scene to this scene. We'll just put him in the next scene. It's fine. And I don't agree. I don't think it is fine to do that. I think you need to, you know, have your movie make some semblance of sense. Sure. <laughs> no, no counterpoint. Just, you still liked it. Yeah. I still enjoyed myself. So I don't know. I mean, I, I definitely laughed out loud a number of times during the movie. I just don't think they were at the points where they wanted me to. Yeah. There, there was a bunch of points where like I predicted what was getting ready to happen and then it would happen and I would be angry that the thing I predicted would happen happened. If that makes sense. Like when the house gets attacked and she like reaches up into the hood above the stove and pulls out a machine gun. 
<laughs> like the second she walked toward the stove, I was like, she's getting ready to pull a fucking machine gun out of somewhere. And and there it was, and I was like, God damn it. Like god damn this movie. Here's the thing though, and, and I think this is where the problem is, like, that would be okay in you know, a National Lampoon's comedy style movie. Or it would be okay in like a kid's spy movie about the, the son has to take over the dad's spy mission. But this movie because because it has that, but then it has nudity. Because it has stuff like that, but then it also has that scene where they're t- interrogating John Stamos and they're beating the shit out of him. And they're putting his yeah. head in that sink and slamming it around and he's like all <laughs> bloody and shit when he comes up. And you're like, you can't... You can't have a serious moment like that and a movie where the guy just... You know, they reach up into the hood of the stove and pull out a fucking gun. Because <laughs> those are contradictory tones. And, and you just can't do them both. Well, I love that. I love that. That's that's your example of stuff. Is her pulling the machine gun out and completely ignoring when she's in the stable and the the guys show up and she puts her hand on the little the little metal pad and the wall reverses into a room full of guns. Oh yeah, no, no, and it's and it spins around. That's an, straight Scooby Doo style. Totally. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. and it, she, it literally is like wall of guns comes around and when when she comes back around she's just holding the gun like posing. <laughs> Yeah. Again, in in a different movie, that would be okay. Or either that's not okay, or some of the other scenes aren't okay. Because that scene is followed up by her literally shoving one of the bad guys' faces into horse shit and like standing <laughs> on his face, and he's still got the horse shit on his face for the rest of the scene. And you're like, which, again, which is in Loaded awesome. Weapon One, that's a funny scene. Yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Like like I said, the movie's a mess. It's a hot mess. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I do feel like the ending is very anticlimactic, and I don't, I don't know what a better ending is, but okay, anticlimactic, <laughs> yes, but it, it, there's a history in this show that we've established that there are a few things I love more than seeing a fake person being thrown off something oh, totally. and bounce off of a few rocks, and and that fake Gene, Gene Simmons hitting that cliff face and bouncing down those rocks was so fucking great. It was it was very much a dummy. It was almost as bad as when they used to do it on like Married with Children. But it was it was pretty fun to watch. The part of the ending that bugged me was I think it's uh, what you were just describing no where it, like he's got that gun that never works and he's going to shoot the briefcase cuz if he shoots the briefcase that'll solve the problem because of that's how it is. And I'm like, he's just gonna th- he's gonna throw the fucking gun in the briefcase, and they're gonna hit each other in the air and blow up. And then he does that, and I'm like, oh no, <laughs> I didn't like that wasn't a good idea I was having. I was like, oh, I'm sorry that I had to see that. That was, a, it was just an upsetting moment for me. I was already I was already like kind of off kilter because of all the like anti transgender conversations that our hero <laughs> was just spewing out throughout the, the ten minutes leading up to that moment. I love the fact that he's screaming at Gene Simmons. He's like, unprogram it. And he's like, what the, what do you mean unprogram it? <laughs> that probably was not a, that's not a thing. <laughs> yeah. Why, why would I have designed this? So you could just hit a button and it would stop. Like I clearly want to do this to the town's water. That's the other thing I found interesting about this movie is there's a whole scene where they're talking about what Gene Simmons's plan is. And they're talking about like, wow, you could hold the whole town hostage or you want, if you wanted to. And for millions of dollars and then when they finally like get to him and he's like no I'm just doing this because I'm evil 
I have no plans of holding anybody. I'm not asking for anything. I've no. This isn't a hostage situation. I'm just gonna murder all the people. That's the plan right now. That water will be poisoned, and everyone will drink it, and they will all die, and that's it. And want to see what it'll do to a goldfish? Robert England made a goldfish drink it. You can see what a goldfish looks like after it drinks it if you want. <laughs> it's almost like that gang was post-apocalyptic, so they were trying to create an apocalypse just so they could fit in. That's all this is about. They just felt like outcasts. <laughs> they were misunderstood. It's like we already have the apocalyptic gang. We just need to get the rest of the world to that point. Uh, all right. Well, anything else about never too young to die? I'm sure there's more to say. <laughs> Jesus. What the fuck was this? Well, like like I said, every every single decision in the movie is the wrong decision. <laughs> it's just amazing to see that. That's not not once in this movie do you go, oh, it'd be cool if they did this, and then that thing happens. <laughs> There's literally a scene in the beginning of this movie where George Lazenby is like doing his underground thing, and he's got well, we don't know it's Gene Simmons, but it is Gene Simmons with him and a couple and another guy, and they're running around down there, and he like gets plastique and he sets it on a thing to blow up. And then this movie's version of tension is it just falls off and he has to run and pick it up and stick it back up and get back before it blows up. <laughs> and I'm just like, what the fuck? That's probably the moment the movie lost me. And it's like 45 seconds in. So, <laughs> right, right. It is very, it's very early. And there's the fact that like 10 seconds into them going into the tunnel in, in your, uh, being weirded out by Beardo Gene Simmons with his weird mm-hmm. Fred Armiston vibes, you're going pretty sure he's a bad guy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. like, there is something weirdly uncomfortable. There is something Rudger Howery about his existence <laughs> that just screams, I am not a good person. Yeah. I can't even. Did they reveal in that opening scene that he was actually the bad guy? Yeah, because he yeah. Uh, he attacks okay. the other guy behind his back. Like, in my head, I'm like, I know that I knew he was the bad guy for the rest of the movie, but I couldn't remember if yeah. they showed us that or if I was just assuming it based on his yeah. He knocks out the one guy and then pulls a gun on yeah, George okay. Lazenby. All right. Yeah. Trying uh, to drop on Bond. What about, what about that fucking scene where John Stamos does his gymnastics and then he's like, I got to go? And he's trying to go, and those two big wrestler guys, like, trying to prevent him from leaving, and he plays a little trick on them and runs away. And then that means nothing and serves no point in the whole fucking movie, and I kept waiting for those characters to come back and for it to matter, and it just didn't at all. No. What's up with that? I don't know. I didn't, Again, even, know who, I didn't even know who they were, and they were making fun of them for jumping on a trampoline. And I'm like, they were, are, they, are they other gymnasts? They were, they were the other... wrestling team, which is hilarious, yeah. because let's be honest, in the 80s, I'm, and I'm, not, I'm not making judgments about anybody's lifestyle, you play whatever sport you want to play, but in the 80s, the two most effeminate things you could do in a gym were wrestling and gymnastics. And for those two guys to be trying to act like which one of us is tougher, I'm like, when this movie was made, nobody thought either of you were tough. That's not how it worked. Yeah, I was, I was getting ready to say, trying to gay shame a guy by being like yeah let's see how much of a man you are once we oil you up and pin you down and it's like whoa (laughs) it's it's weird whoa 
you're like, hmm, I have a feeling that homoeroticism is going to be a theme throughout this movie. <laughs> Where's Gene Simmons? Let's watch him do a weird two and a half minute song and dance diva drag queen routine. <laughs> and then between every line go, yeah! <laughs> and... Oh, uh, another upsetting thing about this film before we move on. <laughs> Speaking of Yaya, uh, there are multiple times in this movie where Gene Simmons forcefully jams his tongue into somebody's mouth, and it's upsetting. He's so gross. It's, it's ugh, just this horrible herpes tongue. Just assaulting people is just the worst. Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at MNDriveInPod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to the Midnight Drive-In at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food and drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. Uh, what did everybody watch this week? Things and stuff. Okay. Uh, Do you have any more I, specific answers or no? Well, I watched Merry Friggin' Christmas, which was uh, one of the last movies that Robin Williams made before he died. Okay. Uh, and I, I watched it because the cast has got a whole bunch of fucking really funny people in it. And I was... Uh, like, oh, I bet this is going to be really funny. It's got all these funny fucking people in it. And then it ended up being kind of like a more serious, weird, sad thing where uh, Robin Williams plays like a shitty, abusive dad. <laughs> and that made say, me... Was it, uh, was it World's Best Dad, Dark? It was, it was pretty, like, I don't know. It was pretty dark. It was pretty bad. Because World's I, I, Best Dad is one of the most misleading movies ever when you watch it. Yeah. I was going to say, I think my biggest problem with it, so I I have a slight sensitivity to abusive parents uh, from, not not from personal experience, but, but my dad, right? So my dad's stepmom was a fucking monster. And, and it's real fucked up. Like the, the stories I can tell are real, real, real fucked up. And there's a scene in this movie where the dad's in the truck with the son and he's smoking a cigar and the son keeps telling him to put it out. And he's like, I have asthma. It's a medical condition. I could literally die. Please fucking put the cigar out. And and there's this whole conversation about, I know you think it's all in my head, but it's not. You're just a fucking psycho. <laughs> I'm sick. Put the fucking cigar out. <laughs> like, and, and my dad had asthma whenever he was a kid. And there was like a, a situation where his stepmom literally uh, dumped out all this asthma medication and replaced it with tap water to prove that he was faking it and almost killed him. And I was like, oh, I fucking hate this movie so much. I can't do it. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like fun. Yeah. So it's supposed to be one of those movies that's about this, 
these two brothers and their dad kind of, you know, making up over time and getting back together and all that kind of stuff. But man, I was like, ugh, I just, they're such pieces of shit. It's one of those movies where everybody's too much of a piece of shit for me to enjoy it. <laughs> and I said world's best dad. It's world's greatest dad. Sorry. All right. If if nobody's seen that movie, you should watch it. But man, it's dark. It's not a comedy film by any stretch of the imagination. No. Right, right. Yeah, I'm trying to remember who all. Uh, it's like, um, God damn it! What's it, what's the actor's name? Joel McHale is in it. Uh, his sister's played by the chick who's the mom on the Goldbergs. Okay. Um, I can't remember the actress that plays his wife's name. Uh, the other brother is the dude from the, the dude who played the young dude from hot tub time machine. You know, I'm talking about the kind of like fatter kid with the glasses. Clark Duke. Yeah. 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 Him. It's too bad. We don't live in a world where you could just look up who all these people were. Yeah. I'm not going to do that. Uh, I'm guessing Lauren, (laughs) Lauren Graham from Gilmore girls was his wife. Yes. Yeah. Uh, And then the chick who played Murphy Brown is the mom. Candace Bergen, Oliver Platt's in it, Jeffrey Tambor. Yeah. Like I said, a lot of really funny people. Not a super funny movie. (laughs) Too much. There's funny parts, but there's just too much serious stuff to like enjoy it. I don't know. I was hoping for a good light Christmas movie, and that's not what I got. No. And, And seeing Robin Williams always makes me sad. Yeah, it's reasonable. I understand uh, that. And then besides that, so WWE Network is running a special right now where you can get your first month for a dollar. <laughs> yeah. And I'm working from home, so I need something to like have on in the background while I'm doing all my uh, paperwork and shit. Well, hopefully so it's I old make- stuff because all their newer stuff has been garbage over the past couple of years. Oh, that's that's all I've been watching is the old stuff. <laughs> yeah. So I watched uh, WrestleMania three. Nice. Uh, mostly because I wanted to see the uh, Macho Man Ricky the Dragon Steamboat match. Mm-hmm. Uh, man, I forgot how fucking long those were. the The first few WrestleManias, there are so many fucking matches. compared to like what they are now now like i don't know maybe they're five matches on a card or something like that for a big pay-per-view that's not true for wrestlemania because wrestlemania is six hours long now oh jesus yeah well back then wrestlemania would be like three hours but there was nothing except wrestling in it there's like one or two interviews and that's it yeah and i was gonna say that the craziest part was so WrestleMania three, I couldn't believe how many heel victories there are. <laughs> almost, yeah. almost exclusively, like the heel wins every fucking match, except for the Ricky the Dragon Steamboat match, and you know, obviously, uh, Hulk beating Andre the Giant. Mm-hmm. But I would, I would argue that even whenever he was a babyface, Hulk was a fucking heel. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I'd argue that, but I might argue that Andre was a, a face, even though he was supposed to be the bad guy. It was people he was people never really stopped liking him. So. 
Yeah, I yeah. was going to say his his whole thing is he was almost always a heel and just people loved him anyway. So he was a face. <laughs> but I don't know. So that, that was a really, I don't know. It's just a really, really interesting watch because I don't know. I haven't seen it in a long time. And man, that, that Macho Man Ricky the Dragon Steamboat match is so fucking good. <laughs> it may be, it may be the greatest single wrestling match that's ever been done. It, it's a possibility because it's, yeah. I don't know, something about it, like the energy of it in the the back and forth and the kind of the way it like plays out. So, so fucking good. Uh, and then I watched the 1996 King of the Ring. <laughs> oh, yeah. Why not? <laughs> which is which is weirdly specific. I know. Is it the Stone Cold one? Yeah, uh, yeah it's the Stone Cold uh-huh. one. And I and I specifically watched it. Because um, I've been listening to Stone Cold, some of his older podcasts, Mm. and he was interviewing Jake the Snake, and they were talking about it. And I was like, Stone Cold Steve Austin wrestled Jake the Snake? That that mathematically didn't work in my fucking head for some reason. I was like, that doesn't sound right. And I went back and watched it, and it's it's a really good one because uh, it was just when... Steve Austin was making that switch from being that undercard worker to like all of a sudden he was taking off like at light well, speed. Yeah, that was that was the night <laughs> this stuff started yeah. happening. His right, right. Austin, it, his, it's, he his Austin three sixteen promo, yes, from that right, night. Right, right, right. Austin three sixteen. And it was it was interesting watching it because the whole reason I guess he made that up on the fly. Totally. And the whole reason he did it is because Jake the Snake Roberts had been cutting all those weird religious promos. And that's what he came out and did. And he was like, you keep talking about Psalms and shit. And, and John 316, Austin 316 says, I just whooped your ass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's back when wrestling was fantastic. Oh, man. Yeah. yeah considering was- he, he made it up on the fly and after... <laughs> After getting his lip busted open, running to the hospital, having it sewn up, and then running back to the arena to fin it to go into the next match he was supposed to have for the tournament. Right, right, right. (laughs) And the the other match that happened at that one was uh, there was a grudge match between Mankind and the fucking Undertaker. And holy man, that was a good fucking match, too. (laughs) I was like, Jesus. Those guys always put on a show. Well, yeah. and it was before The Undertaker was getting old and weak. Oh, yeah. Because even their later ones were good, but I feel like the later ones, um, they pushed even harder uh, abusing Mick Foley in order to put the match over. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I, I don't know. The older, the older I get, the more I dislike those moments in wrestling. Like, uh, me yeah. and Char were watching, I, I don't know. Oh, oh yeah, we were watching uh, Behind the Mat. Uh Oh, Beyond yeah. that, sorry. Yep. And they they show the the one where Undertaker threw him off the top of the cage into the announcer table. And I would, I told her it was getting ready to happen. And I was like, I cannot watch this to this day. Every time it happens, I'm like, why? Who who ever thought that was fucking a good idea? He could have just if they were inches off, his neck's broken and he's just dead. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And then the fact that they put him through the top of the cage on accident after that. Yeah. 
It's like That's... fucking running. You should, uh, since you have the network, you should watch uh, the Broken Skull interviews that Austin does. Because he, yeah. does, he does one with Kane. And they d- it's literally just them sitting at a table bullshitting. Like, that's all that program is. And he gets big people like Kurt Angle and The Undertaker and Kane and stuff to come in and just talk. And they talk about that night because Kane was sort of new. Like, his character had just debuted maybe a year before. So he didn't have a lot of, like, pull around there. But, so... They were having this match, you know, Foley goes through the fucking top of the cage and gets wheeled out and they don't even know if he's like fucking alive or not. And he does come back to finish it. And everybody's like, this dude's fucking crazy. But he said while they were putting him on the canes says while they were putting him on the gurney, he was back in gorilla standing behind Vince McMahon, kind of watching what was going on. And apparently Foley was in, supposed to be somehow involved in Kane and Austin's match. Like he was going to come down and interfere one way or another. And apparently McMahon turned around and looked at Kane and was like, well, just in case you better figure out something else to how to finish your match. (laughs) Kane Kane said he turned around and looked like, oh, well, obviously Austin must've been standing behind me. Nope. Nobody. He was talking to me and Kane's like, why are you asking? Why are you telling me? I'm not even like, cause Austin's the veteran. So Austin basically called the match. (laughs) He's just like, me? Why me? <laughs> but it turned out Foley was fine. It did still went in and did what he was supposed to do in the next match too. Okay, let's not let's not use the phrase Foley was fine. Well, he <laughs> was co- coherent enough for him yeah, to decide to, yeah. to continue with the rest of the evening the way it was supposed to. There was something already wrong with Foley that caused him to get up <laughs> and keep going after that match. It's insane. Yeah. Yeah. I was gonna. I, I forgot about how nasty uh, Beyond the Mat is. Oh yeah, that's like, a hard watch. Yeah, some some of the moments are just awful. Oh, because in the in the documentary they do the thing where it's the Rock versus uh, Mankind, mm, yeah. and it's the the match where he handcuffs him and gave him like fucking. I can't even remember how many chair shots to the it's fucking like head or something. It's insane. Yeah. yeah, and I yeah, think it was, it was supposed to be two. They yeah. talked about two, and he improved fifteen. Yeah, and uh, Mick Foley's wife and kids are front row, and just yeah. his kids are just sobbing and losing their fucking minds and stuff. Uh, and then you know they, of course, they do the cleanup after the match, and then the guy doing the documentary brings the tape and makes Mick Foley watch the tape of his wife and kids crying while he's getting. Yeah. Beat about the head with a chair and him just going, Oh my God, I'm a bad parent. <laughs> like, it's like, that's like one of the hardest oh, moments. It's like, I can Jesus. handle him getting hit in the head with a chair. I can't handle watching him watch the tape. It's like, yeah, that's a tough one. Especially if you like, if you know Mick Foley, like, and you kind of get to know him throughout that documentary, like, you, you know, his family's very important to him and stuff. And he's like, kind of this lovable character outside of the ring. And then all of a sudden it's like, Oh, he made him feel really bad about himself. Don't do that. <laughs> Right. Yeah, but I think it was more like because I think he says like I thought I was a good dad. Like he wanted his kids to see what he did and be involved and stuff. And yeah. he's like, "Oh no, that was the wrong decision. That's that's not what I should have been doing at all." Yeah, yeah. 
that I don't know. That whole thing's interesting with Mick Foley saying because they're asking him about the match, and he goes, "Are are you like upset?" And he goes, "Well, of course I'm upset." And he's like, "You know, if The Rock was in here, I'd probably punch him right now for hitting me so many times with that chair." But you know, he's got good instincts, and I'm sure it'll turn out that it was a great match and all this kind of stuff. And if you go back and watch it, you're like, "Yeah, but it wasn't like it, and it wasn't." That match did not gain anything from him hitting him 15 times the fucking chair. Like, well, we're still talking about we're talking about it now and we wouldn't have been if he didn't. So, well, it, but, this, but the only reason did. why we're the only reason why we're talking about it now is that it was probably a bad call. It, like, that's, talking, <laughs> it made the match memorable. And to those guys, that's really important. I mean, the match that Owen Hart died in was memorable. That doesn't make it a good call. <laughs> if he had, honestly, if he had died performing a wrestling move, I bet you people would still talk about it as like a cool moment in wrestling, even though it had negative consequences. Because he died getting into the ring, it's less so. I don't know. I don't know. That kind of stuff. That was another thing because of the. Uh, that King of the Ring, uh, Owen Hart was at the commentator table the entire time, and I was like, "Oh fuck, another one, another person I really like that died." Oh, trust uh, me. Sometimes old wrestling. It's hard like when I start. when I when I had the network, I would uh, just randomly go back and just pick a random Raw or Monday Nitro because that's that was definitely the height of my uh, loving wrestling. And I would pick a random Nitro, and then out would come Chris Benoit with his wife as his manager. Oh. And it's just like an awkward, like, oh, this makes me feel not good. Yeah. Yeah, it's just interesting, because once again, listen, listening to Stone Cold's podcast, because have you ever listened to any of it? I used to listen to it, and then it got kind of repetitive, so I stopped. Yeah, the, the interviews are interesting because it, it's pretty obvious that Stone Cold's kind of like an old school wrestler. Like, he thinks everything kind of should go back to the way it was in, like, the 80s. <laughs> All, you know, the story should progress and stuff, but maybe yeah. all the high-flying flippy shit should go away. And yeah. uh, And I was like, you know what, I kind of agree with him. And then I went back and I was watching these old matches and I was like, you know what? I think everybody's 100% correct because these matches were so fucking good and they didn't need any of that shit. Like, they just didn't. Like, fucking uh, the Macho Man throwing an elbow off the top rope was a huge fucking move, you know? (laughs) And and I get that those days are gone now because we've burned all those bridges by having fucking Shane McMahon jump off a Jumbotron. You you know what I mean? Like... Uh, when uh, Carrie Sane, who was in WWE up till this year, her finishing move was called an insane elbow, and it maybe besides the Macho Man is one of the best elbow drops I've ever seen in my entire life. So, off off the ropes, maybe I'll tell you what. Whenever I was watching that um, Mankind Undertaker match, Mankind's like uh, running jumping elbow that he used to do. So fucking good. I, I I forgot about that he used to do that because he used to be able to get some air for being a big guy. 
And he would just run, jump, and kind of like tuck and do the elbow. And it sounded huge because he's a big guy smashing into the ring. But but that that sound would make it sound like, you know, his elbow just smushed that person's organs into paste. Yeah. But. Well, if you're if you're in love with uh, wrestling at the moment, fucking AEW is the one to watch because this past Wednesday was crazy. I've been trying. The problem is, is for me to watch AEW, I think I have to get a whole nother streaming service again. Yeah, because yeah, because it only plays on one specific streaming service, and it's one of the few I don't have. Yeah. Um, yeah, out of nowhere, Sting showed up, which is like, what the fuck? Mm. That's um, see now I, anyway. I, yeah, I was gonna say I'm against that. He needs well, sixty one, but I don't know if he's gonna be a full on wrestler. AEW's got a really good way they do things where a lot of the older guys come in and mentor younger guys. Yeah. That's a so, good. so like Jake, the snake is a manager of really big dude called Lance Archer. So Jake comes in, does a lot of the promos and this dude just goes in and wrestles and it's fantastic. I have watched some of Jake's promos just on like YouTube and stuff. And it's pretty yeah. fascinating to see that he's still got it. Yeah. Like, uh, Aaron Anderson, he's Cody Rhodes, like trainer is what they call him. And then, uh, who's the other guy who is his tag team partner? Uh, Tully Blanchard. He does like stuff like a manager type stuff for a tag team. So they, they bring these old guys in just to kind of be around and sort of help all these young guys work on stuff. And I think Sting's going to do some of that because there's a, character Darby Allen who people compare to staying a lot. So my, what my guess, like, I don't think he should full on wrestle. He's, he's had too many injuries and whatever he else full gear and stuff. When he showed up, wasn't he? Yeah. Pictures of it. Full face paint, trench coat, baseball bat. So my thought is if they bring him in to do a little bit of that, um, mentor type stuff, but he's more of like the WCW sting when he would sit in the rafters and jump in the ring, hit a couple of people with a baseball bat and that like be it. Like, I think that's the type of stuff that he would be good for, but I don't know if we need to be having 20 minute matches with him. And I, you know. I did finally sit down and watch, uh, in AEW. I kept hearing that there was a, uh, match between Dustin Rhodes and Cody Rhodes. Oh yeah. It's a match they pitched to Vince McMahon for like five years about doing at WrestleMania. And Vince kept saying no. And then like, we're telling you people would like eat it up. It'd be this great storyline. These two brothers who are, you know, mad at each other and they have this big old brawl at WrestleMania. And then at the end they come together. Vince is like, nah. So, yeah. yeah. So that, yeah. I, <laughs> Cody makes I, his own kind company and they do it and it's one of the best matches like ever yeah i was getting ready to say i i think it's dustin Rhodes' best match yeah like that i that i've ever seen Mm -hmm. maybe there's some weird gold dust match somewhere that i'm unaware of but (laughs) yeah no it's it's fantastic 
Um, they did really good. The other problem that Vince is probably turning him down for that is probably uh, there's there's a significant amount of blading in that match. <laughs> and I know oh, that oh, WWE oh, sure. is uh, no blades. Yeah, and that cut is way too deep. Oh yeah, the guy's head. That's a fifty-year-old man bleeding like that all over the ring. It's like you're not, you don't need to be doing that. But I think it's a, it's a botched blade, is what it is. So. Yeah. Um, yeah. Once, once again, older I get, the more I'm like, don't do that. <laughs> like, you know, if you get, if you get cut or whatever, that's that's fine. But don't. Nobody I'm, needs to be blading anymore. I'm fine with the blading because I don't think it does much long-term damage. I'm definitely not as interested in seeing people get hit in the head with chairs anymore as I used to be. Mm. A lot of the other stuff, I'm like, well, you know, you, you suffer for your art if you want to cut yourself and even break a bone or something. I'm not too concerned about it. It's the head injuries are the only one that I kind of go, eh, you've been hit in the head too many times to be allowed to make your own decision about getting hit in the head anymore. So. <laughs> for me, it's neck stuff. I'm always, yeah. any anytime somebody does a weird power bomb or uh, a pile driver or something like that. I'm like, maybe not, <laughs> maybe, maybe not do that. A lot of careers, a lot of careers just been stopped by a very small miscalculation on that. Yeah. Um, so then the other big thing <laughs> that happened on Wednesday, uh, so they had their big title match, John Moxley versus Kenny Omega. Okay. And, you know, it's a big match for Kenny Omega. And so Don Callis showed up. Don Callis is, um, he's like an executive for impact wrestling, but he's like well-known in pretty much every promotion, like in, in the world, like everybody knows who he is and highly regarded and whatever. And he's really close with Kenny Omega. So he came and jumped on commentary and, you know, they acknowledge he's, you know, impact executive, you know, that they're being really like friendly with, you know, the fact that somebody from TNA impact was there. And then of course, at the very end of the match, he gets involved with it and Kenny ends up winning. So then Don Callis grabs Kenny and they run backstage and jump at a waiting car. And he says, if you want to know what this is all about, then you need to watch Impact on Tuesday on Axis TV or whatever. And they drive off and everybody's just like, what the fuck just happened? This <laughs> fucking guy just won the belt and ran off to another company. So they're doing this big crossover with Impact, apparently. And huh. it's, yeah, I'm so excited. It's like the, you know, the number two and the number three company working together just randomly out of the blue. And people just are baffled by what they just saw on tv <laughs> i was just uh it, it was pretty recently i was listening to an interview with i think it was with shane o'mac and they're they were talking about how wrestling's changed you know what i mean because now without the territories yeah. and stuff there's there's really no good uh methodology for bringing up new wrestlers mm. So, so now it's, you know, that, and they were, t and he's talking about, well, you know, now since there's no competition, it's all about NXT and that's kind of our, our factory for developing talent yeah. and all this kind it's of stuff. Bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and what you want to be like was like, no competition. <laughs> you mean yeah. no competition? There's, oh. there's competition out there. <laughs> if you're a wrestling fan right now is the best time to be a wrestling fan. 
because yeah, you got AEW, which is a big one, and then Impact, which you know, like I said, is probably number three. But then, like all these like smaller promotions have popped up, and with the internet, it makes it so easy to watch. So like Billy Corrigan of the Smashing Pumpkins bought the NWA and has been running it and ran for like two seasons, an NWA show on YouTube. And it's like an old school, like wrestling. Like, do you remember the old WCW before it became like the big challenger to WWE? And they had like that small studio show on like some stage or whatever. That that's that's the type of show that the NWA is doing. It's Where they were sm- trying to be all about wrestling, no <laughs> no stage names or anything. Just yeah, but yeah, it's like an old school like studio 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 audience like type show. Obviously, they're not filming anything right now, which is a bummer. But I mean, the, like the the wrestlers don't even have entrance music. They literally announce them. They walk out through a curtain, walk ten steps into the ring. Billy Corgan's like we can't we can't afford it. Probably. What if, what if but... we use Smashing Pumpkins music? I I can't afford my own music. <laughs> but as it, turns, a... as it turns out, I should have probably stayed with that instead of getting this deep into wrestling. No, but that's the thing though. He's actually like, like it's actually done really well since he took it over. And people like the the studio show is amazing. Like uh, it was probably my. Uh, it was like AEW and then NWA stuff on YouTube was like the stuff I was watching. And I'm kind of bummed because now they can't do anything until Rona gets under control. But yeah, it's, it's weird that it's NWA. I thought WWF swallowed NWA. It's a weird, it's suddenly we've turned into a wrestling podcast, but um, it's a weird because NWA eventually became WCW and, but then like there was some weird offshoot that was still alive that did something and WWE never challenged them saying that they owned the intellectual property or anything. So it became its own thing. And then Billy Corgan bought that and I don't know. So I know, like, the classic NWA stuff is owned by WWE. Yeah. So, but that's just, that just be the footage and stuff. It's not necessarily the copyright to the name. Yeah, they they might have let the copyright lapse or something. But yeah. however, however it works, uh, Billy Corrigan now runs it, and it's actually really good if you're a wrestling fan. So. What the fuck is that? What? I've got that uh, Kari Sane video played in the background. Oh, yeah. Her elbow's awesome. Uh, not just the elbow. That, that it's like a backbend sharpshooter thing she does. That's fucking dope. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be a big fan of this chick. <laughs> well, you're too late because she just retired. So, Well, it doesn't matter. I'm going to go back and watch all of her shit. Oh, are you looking at, uh, that's, that's a Charlotte flair thing. That's a figure four into a backbend that she calls the figure eight. <laughs> Pretty dope. That elbow is huge. Yeah. 
And it always got a big pop too. And I was always a big fan of it. So well, she's so tiny. She's a little short thing, and she's getting so much air. <laughs> um, before this becomes us watching YouTube videos, Doug, did you watch anything? Yeah. <laughs> um, not too much, but yeah, a couple of things here. Uh, I don't know how to come back from all the wrestling talk. <laughs> guys, remember last week when this was a movie podcast? Yeah. You're like weirdly enough. I watched that Christmas movie that Roddy Piper was in. <laughs> Not yet. Um, but anyways, last week I talked about uh, Unhinged and told you guys I really liked it. Yeah. So I decided to check out what else that director had done. Um, and he did a movie called American Dreamer, which is about a uh, down on his luck recently divorced dad who's having trouble has lost his job and he's driving for like uber type thing they don't call it uber but it's uber um and he's you know he's he's not able to see his kid because he can't make his child support payments so he decides to take a a side gig going and basically just driving still but just driving a drug dealer around basically being like the personal driver for him and uh, one day he gets it in his head that, like, because he needs money quick, he's going to rob the guy. So he's like, well, I know when he's not home, I drop him off. I go, I steal from his house. I go back, pick him up. He'll never suspect it's me, right? Um, gets to the guy's house. The guy's baby is unattended in the house. Well, that's um, not good. So he panics and decides to go from a robbery to a kidnapping. And now he's driving around with the drug dealer's baby in the car, uh, trying to figure out how to set up a kidnapping in a ransom situation. And I won't spoil everything because after that, the movie starts to get kind of like dark, uh, but it's really intense. The lead character is played by stand up comedian Jim Gaffigan, <laughs> which is fucking weird, but he is really good in the role and he creates this like in the beginning before he's before he's kidnapping babies like you're actually really sympathetic for him like he's talking about how he lost his job and his wife left him and now he's not allowed to see his kid and all this other stuff you know you you do you feel bad for him and then he goes into this dark territory and you're like oh maybe that's why your wife left you you're a baby napper she probably sees that as a character flaw um (laughs) But yeah, like super intense movie. It ends up with like a lot of the time, like a significant portion of the movie is him driving this drug dealer around while the drug dealer is trying to track down who took his kid. And as an audience, we know the guy driving is the one that took his kid. <laughs> and it's pretty fucked up. Um, so it's, yeah, yeah, I liked it quite a bit. It has like a, a super, like a weird, like, I don't want to say happy ending, but it's like it's kind of like this weird conclusion to the whole movie where it's almost like, okay, I think everything's going to work out fine for this guy. And I'm not sure that it should work out fine for this guy because he kidnapped a baby earlier in the movie. But it's like, I don't, I'm not sure what to say about that. I, I really dug the, the sort of, not exactly a twist ending, but just the way it all kind of winds up. You're just like, oh, so you're just going to do that, eh? I'm all right. <laughs> <laughs> Like it's, uh, I I really enjoyed it. 
it's definitely not something you want to watch. Like, it's not a happy-go-lucky movie. It's not a Gymkata. You're not going to be cheering at the screen when people start doing shit. No. It's, be, uh, it's more uh, of a, a dark drama, and yeah. it's, it's a bit difficult to watch at times. Sure. I was going to say I wasn't cheering for Gymkata, so maybe I'll be all right. Yeah, maybe you'll be cheering for this one. You'll be like, yeah, <laughs> steal that baby. Do it. Then baby make the Hot Pockets joke on your way out. Hot we... Pockets. <laughs> so anyways, I watched that. Um, huge recommend. I definitely think people should watch it. Really intense. Very dark. Um, probably not something you should make Hot Pockets jokes in the middle of. Will it, <laughs> will it burn my mouth? It will destroy your mouth. <laughs> Um, other than that a couple of rewatches I did I don't know how deep we need to get into them because I'm sure we've talked about them on the show before but I rewatched Into the Spider-Verse nice popped up on Netflix this week and I still love it I was like I tried to watch it with my kid and it's he's still a little young for it I guess he's scary so he like okay. made me turn it he made me turn it off so then i like put him to bed and then i went and watched it by myself <laughs> I got, like fine you don't want to watch spider-man then go to bed <laughs> yeah get the fuck out of here you don't understand this is the best spider-man movie ever get the fuck are, out are you guys getting a little nervous about all the rumors going around about the new about spider-man 3 that's making it sound more and more and more like they're just trying to do into the spider-verse as a live action movie and i'm like yeah but you probably shouldn't do that <laughs> okay, i've so heard some things but then i don't i've heard those are just rumors and here, here's the thing true, though but. we we know that at some point this tom holland spider-man is going to exist in multiple universes we know that to be true so let's let marvel establish that multiple universes before sony goes and does something stupid and tries to fucking <laughs> like that's the way i look at it I trust Marvel to make the movie. They've kind of been doing well for 23 movies in a row now. I think they won't screw this up too bad. And I do not want Sony just suddenly going, oh, we have the rights, so we're just going to stick Tom Holland in this movie with the shitty Venom, and we're going now. It's like, let them find a way to have him moving in and out of the universe, where they can have him go over to that universe when they when it's convenient. Keep things nice and separate. I don't know. That that'd be good. I'm just I'm just worried that it's sounding more and more like I don't know, like Marvel might make its first DC movie. <laughs> I don't know. Like I don't like I think the idea of like the Tom Holland Spider Man running around confused and scared because he's you know, whatever's gone on and he no longer has Tony Stark to look up to and whatever, whatever, whatever happens, and now all of a sudden, like, Tobey Maguire shows up and starts kind of mentoring him, could be very interesting if done right. I think there's ideas there that could be played with that would be real fun, and I just don't know. Like, we'd have to see what the final result is, but... Now, I, w- I would just say, if, if, if all the rumors are true, then this movie is going to have, like, fucking... I don't know, eight fucking characters or something like that, not including the little side characters. And that is going to be a clusterfuck. Really? It'll be bad. I don't, I don't know that that's necessarily true. 
<laughs> Again, we just we're talk we all just said we love Into the Spider-Verse. It has a whole bunch of characters and it works. But fine. it's it's different. It's it's an animated movie where you just assume that the audience gets this and this and this works. I don't think that would work in a live action movie. I don't see why it would be that different. It just is. I don't. I, I don't know how to explain it. <laughs> like, it just is. Like, because I, I mean, Marvel has a long history. I mean, of being able to mix all these different characters. We were worried back when the first Avengers came out. How are they going to give them all? How are they going to make them all work together? And they did. And then you know they just kept adding more and more and more and more. You know, right? And they find they seem to be able to find ways to do right. it. They they added them spread out across several movies, and then once they were established, we're able to bring them all in. Yeah, but if they're bringing in characters and that are established from other properties, they're gonna they're gonna assume that you know what they're talking about. When Tobey Maguire shows up, they're not gonna give you a backstory. They're gonna assume you've seen those Raimi films, and they're gonna go with it. I would think. Again, I assuming I... any of the rumors are true at all. I suppose so. I guess I could throw Topher Grace in there too. Just, oh, just I hope jealous. not. Fuck that movie. Anyways, we'll I mean, I don't know what's with that the, when it comes. The the problem I have right now is, from what it sounds like, is they're bringing in these characters, but they're not going to be direct analogs. So supposedly Jamie Fox is going to be Electro again, but he's not going to be Electro from Amazing Spider-Man Two. Yeah, oh, that's that's good. And they're bringing in, uh, God damn it, forgot the actor's name. The guy who played Dr. Ock in Spider-Man 2. Alfred Molina. Alfred Molina as Dr. Octopus, but that character's dead. So once again, can't be a direct analog. So it's got to be a different version of that same (laughs) character. Which, which that muddies that muddies the waters all up because then you can say they're pre-established, but they're not pre-established because we have no idea what led up to anything because they're. Marvel has lots lots of villains that aren't ever established, and they serve their purpose in the movie, and they move on. Right, that's happened. That's the the general complaint about Marvel villains in a nutshell. Right, I don't know. Like I said, I I don't know, and I couldn't I couldn't imagine them wasting. Melina on a like a cameo style thing, especially since are arguably of all of the Spider-Man movies, Spider-Man two might be the best Spider-Man movie still. Like I like the Tom Holland stuff, but God damn it. Spider-Man two was really good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Don't know. We'll have to wait and see. Yeah, I don't do. Yeah, I'm, just, I'm like I said, I'm just lost, and they keep cranking out more and more rumors of this character and this character, and supposedly, you know, Daredevil might be in it, and <laughs> fucking all this other stuff, and you're like, Jesus fucking Christ, I don't. Well, Daredevil might be in it, but they also might be bringing back the Daredevil TV show. Like nobody fucking knows. Everyone makes shit up, puts it on the internet, and we all get excited. I'd be happy if they brought back the Daredevil TV show, depending on who they had working on it. If they bring back, like, the show as it was, I'd be very happy with it. I don't know if they can get all those same people involved again or not. Well, even even as the show goes, I 
I kind of think Daredevil uh, petered off a little bit because the first season was fucking phenomenal. And then the second season was like, eh. And then the, thir- the third season was a little bit better than the second season. But I don't, I don't know. I would I would like to see a return to form. That that first season, they they had that uh they had the rhythm down correctly of what makes Daredevil an interesting character. And I feel like the second season they tried to do something else and it didn't work. Yeah, the problem I had with the Daredevil show, I guess is they would try to come up with excuses of why he should stop being Daredevil. Right. And that became kind of annoying. It's like, just let him be Daredevil and then tell good stories. Right. More, more hallway fight scenes, uh, more hanging out with foggy. Cause that's, that's what everybody wants. <laughs> yeah. yeah. My is probably not coming back. So, right. That hallway, that hallway fight scene was so long ago. It's and yeah. it's still there in my head. So good. <laughs> uh, what else did you watch, Doug? Uh, well, sorry that that was that was a bit of a tangent there, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, the other thing I rewatched, which will not possibly cause any tangents because it's such a straightforward topic, is uh, I watched Halloween, the twenty eighteen movie. Oh, okay. Okay. So, um, <laughs> I don't know. My thoughts on it are pretty much the same as they were when it was new and we talked about it, which is, I like it. I don't understand what the hype is about it. I don't understand why people try to refer to it as a return to form for the series. It's not, but it's still, it's still a fun slasher movie with fucking, you know, a lot of fun kills and some useless plot twists and some fun plot twists. Mm -hmm. You know, I think the filmmakers are uh, in over their heads trying to make this movie and they make a, a few like, pretty big mistakes but overall it still ends up being a fun movie so like some of the yeah. mistakes i think they they definitely first of all the big one that it just it bugged the shit out of me this time because i knew it was coming whereas the first time i saw this movie it's only the first time i've seen it since theaters so in theaters it bugged me but not as much as it did this time it's like you don't you can't go in and have your characters doing these like meta humor where they badmouth the shit out of halloween 2 and then steal the ending of halloween 2 that just makes you look like an <laughs> asshole. So don't try sure. to do that. Um, like it, that it, it irks me. It just, it's when filmmakers arrogance shines through in their making filmmaking, it bugs me and I don't like it. Um, and then there's the other thing. I think that some of the humor in this movie was just, they didn't know when to quite turn it off. Um, so the best example is there's like, that little kid that's like a little smart ass and he's got that fun back and forth with his uh, babysitter and stuff and it's like okay that's fun and I'm enjoying it and then Myers shows up and he's being all scary and intimidating and then the kid is still being funny and I'm like no 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 it's you have to know when to cut that off when to stop it this being a funny movie and when for it to start being a scary movie and they don't always know they think it's okay to keep making jokes and somehow you'll be scared of the one guy on the screen but laughing at the other guy on the screen at the same time and it doesn't work that way. So I, I found that kind of off-putting. Mm-hmm. But again, overall... I can see that. Overall, I think just a fun slasher movie. Some good kills, some unnecessary plot twists that are just... That's what happens in modern filmmaking. So kind of a, yeah. a slasher for its day. Yeah, I just remember thinking that 
I didn't think it was any better or any worse than H2O. So, <laughs> well, but that's not saying much. No, but I mean, they were trying to like act like this was like a groundbreaking, like we're bringing Jamie Lee Curtis back. We're going to ignore part of the continuity. And I'm like, yeah, I remember when you did that 20 years ago Yeah, and you're trying to act like it's better <laughs> than, than when you did it before when you're doing the exact same thing and it's just okay. I still That's think it. the best part of H2O is whenever the black lady behind me in the theater stands up and screams, Mm-mm, bitch, you killed LL. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'm sure that technically is part of the movie. It is in my <laughs> book. It should be. Uh, they should edit that shit in so everyone can enjoy it. <sighs> I don't have any response to that. Did I ever tell you this is not related to Halloween whatsoever? Okay, good. I was worried we'd go on a tangent about Halloween. Right? Did I ever tell you guys about what me and Randy went and saw? That horrible movie with Gary Oldman called The Unborn. And and this is why my argument is that theaters are important. And we need theaters like this for moments like this. So we come in, we sit down, uh, lights go down, trailers start. This lady, and I'm assuming her daughter, come in. And they sit in the same room. Because Randy's sitting like one seat away from me. You know, the proverbial... Like yeah, yeah. we're we're both big guys, we need to spread out. So let's just put a uh, put a seat between us. So they come in on the side, and they're coming down the same row. And the mom takes her jacket off, and when she does, her phone flies out of her pocket and like skitters down the row somewhere under a bunch of seats. <laughs> and like I said, the trailers are going, lights are off, and you know they're both whispering like, "What happened? I don't know. I think my phone." Blah blah blah. And Randy's just sitting there like, what the fuck is going on? And then out of nowhere, (laughs) I think the daughter comes crawling on her hands and knees down the aisle looking for her phone, ends up at Randy's seat, and he's just like, what the fuck am I supposed to do? Do I lift my legs up? I don't know how to handle this. And then eventually, like, she's, like, feeling around and stuff, and he's trying to, like, move so she can look. She can't find it, so she just turns around and crawls back. Now, keep in mind, there's nobody between him and them, so I don't understand why she's crawling. She could have just got up and walked back, and then she's like, I couldn't find it, and then the mom's like, okay, I'll go look, and then she comes crawling down the aisle and pretty much does the same thing. I don't remember if they found the phone or not. I was just laughing that two women were crawling under Randy's lap looking for a cell phone and then during the movie and the movie was terrible anyway apparently the mom fell asleep and was snoring next to randy (laughs) that's fucking awesome and so then we told randy he got he got a lap dance family style from them so yeah so these are the moments we would miss if we didn't have theaters to to bring it back to our opening discussion can't can't even imagine a world where the stuff like that doesn't happen it's just a strange thought um, all right. Did you watch anything else? Um, no, I guess I finished up season five of Buffy. Nice. So, you know, in a world where you get to watch the lead character of a TV show, kill herself. That's always fun. <laughs> it's, 
it's actually weird because the end of that season is like so dark and there's you know dimensions opening up and demons flying and characters dying and you know you kind of forget how much fun it is to watch that last fight scene where it's like first they send in a buffy bot to fight a god and the god gets all confused because it knocks the robot's head off and then xander's like swinging a wrecking ball and smacking her around and all sorts of fun shit is happening and you're like that's fun yeah climbing the weird makeshift tower in the middle of town yeah swinging that big uh hammer at glory and knocking her all around (laughs) yeah it's it's a super fun just big final fight scene with then like a super dark ending tagged on and if I remember correctly, that darkness should go away right away at the beginning of season six. So. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. All right. Well, let's see. I watched Edge of the Axe, which you talked about last week. Oh, yeah? What you think? Uh, I thought it was good. I mean, it's it's a slasher. It's Yeah. You say the word 80 slasher, this is the movie that should pop up in your head. So, Yeah. You see good. what I was getting at last week about how it's bullshit that you can't do that with a computer in the 80s? <laughs> it is funny. <laughs> Just like, how, how do they know that was coming in the future so that I would know that you could do that but not do it yet? <laughs> and why does the computer, like, read it out to you? <laughs> I forgot about that, yeah. <laughs> so weird. Um, follow that up with the Dirty Harry movie, The Deadpool. Okay. Because I thought, I think I saw this when I was younger, but I don't. Like, I don't remember anything about it. I'll be assuming for was the it, of this conversation that you were trying to watch Deadpool and screwed up. Just that's, no. that's what I was getting ready to say. I'm assuming you were wanting to watch Deadpool and just didn't pull it off. No, this is the one I wanted to watch. But in the trivia, they do say that Rob Liefeld was a fan of this movie, and that's where he got the name from. So, whether that's true or not, who knows. Um, so, it's, uh, it's Clint Eastwood chasing down a serial killer. And uh, this killer is killing these people associated with a movie, a horror movie that's being made. Uh, first, they kill this like uh, heavy metal guy that's part of the movie, and the, he's like he's like a big heavy metal guy, and they've hired him on the movie as like a publicity thing, but he's terrible at acting. Uh, the heavy metal guy played by Jim Carrey, one of his very first movie roles. Okay. Uh, and it opened like his opening scene opens with him lip syncing to welcome to the jungle for the music video. Okay. Because apparently they got guns and roses songs to be in this movie, but they're like, we're going to make up a fake band to sing the song though, for whatever reason. <laughs> So he goes to his trailer, shoots up heroin, and then someone comes in and kills him. What the fuck? My phone just uh, did and I don't know why. Yeah. Some kind um, of ad popped up. Maybe, maybe you have a virus or something. <laughs> uh, so he ends up dying. Uh, I should mention the movie is directed by Liam Neeson, uh, one of his early movie roles. And then uh, they start killing off other Liam people associated other people associated with the movie. Um, also, it's weird that they got they got the Guns N' Roses song, but then made up a fake band to be the band that made it in the movie. But then Guns N' Roses themselves have cameos in the movie as weird. people 
people in the movie <laughs> and they're not dressed up like hidden or anything like it's yep there's slash he's got his top hat on <laughs> there's axel rose at the funeral yep that's definitely him what year was this movie like 1988 i want to say yeah 88 so I guess people probably maybe do wouldn't have recognized Guns N' Roses. Maybe. It's, debatable. it's, it's just weird. I think Appetite was, was Appetite 89. Appetite for Destruction. That's probably when people know. really found out about this band. Um, so the movie's okay. I don't know. I think there's another Dirty Harry movie I was thinking of that, uh, that I thought this was, but movie's okay. It's just Clint Eastwood being Clint Eastwood and people telling him that he shouldn't be working on this case. And him saying, shove it up your ass. And then, you know, continuing to work on it anyway. So no, I don't think I've ever seen any Dirty Harry movie start to finish. He's a cop with no rules, Doug. I don't know yeah, if you know no, this. I, I, I understand the concept. <laughs> but I just don't think I've ever actually sat and watched one. I think I've only ever seen, like, parts yeah. of and it. And occasionally he says the word punk. Yeah, and they give him a new partner in this, and of course it's an Asian guy, and the Asian guy uses martial arts. So what? that's a weird coincidence. Yeah. Is he also is he also good with computers, and does his math skills help <laughs> save the day at the end? I don't think so. But everything, who knows? everything but driving. He can do everything but driving. <laughs> does Clint at least be racist towards him? Uh, he might have been. I don't even remember. Because one of Clint Eastwood's best roles is still Gran Torino, and he spends much of that just being racist against Asians. So. <laughs> yeah. um, so after that, I watched a movie called Party Line, which is says it's an 80s slasher. I don't know if slasher is the correct word, but so people, I don't know if people remember Party Lines. It was essentially you would call into a phone line that multiple people would be on. And you could just tell them, hey, let's meet up at this cafe or whatever. That whole thing is weird to me. Yeah. So, Leif Garrett and his sister uh, like to hop on these party lines and then get someone to meet up with them. And then they kill them. Yeah. You know, as you do. Um, and then, of course, the police are investigating what's going on. What's the common theme with all these people? All these people called into a party line. And then somehow this high school girl gets mixed up into it because she likes to call the party line. And she was going to meet up with Leif Garrett. But someone else heard that they were going to meet up. So this lady pretended that she was the girl he was supposed to meet up with. And it turned out okay because he killed that girl. Uh, you know, it's weird and confusing. It's not great, but okay. the brother-sister combo seemed very incestuous, although nothing's ever 100% confirmed on that, but kind of yeah, weird well, gross. On this podcast, if the incest isn't right out forefront of the movie, <laughs> it doesn't really count. That's true. Um, yeah, so eh, it's on Tubi. Feel free to watch it or not. I don't know. Yeah, Tubi's recommended it to me a couple of times and I haven't yeah. gotten around to it yet. Um, and then the last thing I'll watch uh, is very much a I watch this so you don't have to type movie. Okay. 
I saw that the new Black Christmas was on cable. Oh, no. And I'm like, I'm going to give this a watch. I'm going to try <laughs> to... I'm going to try to watch this as just a slasher movie that has nothing to do with the original. Even so. The original movie. They're just using the name. Um, and man, even the mistake I made is I went and read all the trivia before I started the movie. And one of the first beats of trivia is, oh yeah, the writer director of this uh, decided she wanted to make a, super feminist movie where all the women take their power back and you know do all this yeah. stuff and i'm like okay well you know i don't i don't hate like that whole idea or anything so i'd still give it a watch man they should just call this feminism fem- feminism the movie it's it's rough like you can make a movie with all that stuff in it and if you do it well like it's a good movie, but man, this thing, this thing, every single male in this movie is a horrible person. It literally like, not just a horrible person, but like the most horrible of the horriblest person. Isn't there like, isn't the toxic masculinity literally like a substance in the movie or something? Uh, it is. It yeah, is. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. 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 But no, thanks. The reading that piece of trivia is why I haven't seen this movie. <laughs> so yeah yeah um so what it is is a sorority and our main girl imogene poots from like green room and stuff she's our main character and apparently she had a bad incident where she was super drunk and passed out and some guy forced himself on her which we all agree is terrible yes and so they pull a prank at the fraternity talent show because that's something that they do and they sang some you've given me like two other reasons not to watch this movie that i didn't know about yet talent show is one of them and they all got up and sang this uh this song that basically calls out everybody in the frat for being rapists and you know horrible human beings that'll show them fine whatever they all get booed out of there they're all laughing somebody videoed it and put it up um, and then slowly a lot of the sorority girls, cause everybody's about to go on Christmas break, started getting killed off one by one, but nobody notices at first. And then I'm going to spoil it because nobody should watch this movie. Turns out, uh, when there was, when there was a protest because everybody's going to the Nathaniel Hawthorne college and there was a protest because there is a bust of Nathaniel Hawthorne in one of the lobbies of the main building and he used to own slaves so people protested and they got the bust removed the fraternity found out after it had been removed there was some magical power with this bust it would turn any man into like a brainwashed like uh killing machine that the fraternity can sick sick on people to kill them because they feel like their manhood is being overwritten by today's women and whatever bullshit nonsense oh, fuck. so it's basically we need to be men again and that's what this fraternity brothers with cloaks and weird masks and shit is going to reclaim by killing off all these sorority girls nothing screams i'm a real man like walking around in a cloak i'll tell you that right now yeah 
So, so yeah, it's, it's horrible. It's one of the most like blatant in your face things ever. Not subtle whatsoever. And, uh, it's terrible. Don't watch it. I already didn't so, want to watch it. Now I'll still not want to watch it. <laughs> so a movie about a crazy guy killing a bunch of girls at Christmas became an evil dude bro frat. Yep. Trying to get their men's rights murders on? Yep. Mm, yep. That you, sounds bad. Even people who aren't in the frat. So there's like one of the girls has a boyfriend and he is like super good guy throughout majority of the movie. Like, you know, you're like, okay, this is her boyfriend. I see that he's like good to all the girls in the sorority. Like, you know, they like him. He's one of the good ones, you know, however you want to explain it. And then him and his towards the end, him and his girlfriend get into an argument and the argument was over something ridiculous. And then he literally tells her to calm down and that she's being hysterical. And I'm just like, Oh God. So he gets kicked out of the house and then it turns out he's evil at some point. So <sighs> it's terrible. Don't watch it. I just, people, uh, when you're trying to make a movie with a point, the point works much better if you, have a little bit of subtlety right yeah. make a movie and then put your point in it don't just try to make the whole movie your point i saw somebody posted like in the reviews or whatever that uh the direct writer director spent too much time working on the agenda when they should have been working on the plot which i completely agree with yeah so don't waste your time here's a brief glimpse of some of the truly fine pictures we've scheduled in the near future for next week, I feel like we need some, uh, we've been doing these gymnasts getting into battles in whatever sense of the word we need, uh, we need some real men to show up and help us. So we're going to be taking a look at, uh, action Jackson, uh, Reba uh, Williams, real men, Brian. Carl Weathers. Toxic yeah. toxic masculinity much. So I was thinking he was being anti-transgender people by saying Gene Simmons wasn't a oh, real man in that movie. Gotcha. Which yeah. prejudice were you being, Brian? <laughs> uh, I guess I guess I was being like that uh, Carl Weathers is fucking awesome and Fred Ward is fucking awesome, so we should watch movies well, with both of those guys in them. I mean, Carl... Carl Weathers is more human than human. I don't know if he's more man than man. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. So, we're going to check out both of those action movies. Period. Question mark. Period. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know how action-y they are, but let's see. I know how to find out. <laughs> um, and before we sign off, we should talk about mandalorian this past week because mandalorian it is one of the best episodes ever yeah holy shit so, <laughs> so spoiler good. spoiler if you're not watching mandalorian yeah forward. so the, go who's going what i don't know <laughs> 
Uh, you get. I guess I'll go first. I'm not as oh. super positive on it as everyone else is. Uh, of course, you're fucking not. <laughs> I, don't, I don't. I'm not. I'm not negative on it. Like I just didn't particularly think that. I don't know. The fight scenes weren't particularly well coordinated for a for a Jedi. Jedi stuff. Nobody did and, any flips, and that's generally speaking your measurement. That, yeah, no, that's that's good. I don't, I don't know. I there's something, something felt really, really off about it, and maybe it's just budgetary constraints because obviously they're making a TV show and not a bajillion dollar movie. But I, I don't know. Some it felt weirdly cheap, even compared to other Mandalorian episodes. I don't. Agree with uh, you and, and once again. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying there was something off about all of it. And and I'm kind of with the camp of I don't get why they shortened her head tendrils that much. It's weird. Mm. That's that's a little minor complaint. I mean, I'm not that not like gonna throw a chair through a window and be like they shortened her <laughs> her head tendrils. What the fuck? But I don't, it just looked weird. I don't know, but besides that, I mean, it was fun. I li- I really liked the fight between uh, Ahsoka and the the chick with the spear. That was fun. Yeah. So you didn't like uh, Ahsoka like just um, jumping out from the mist and dispatching of uh, people? I love that I, part. I mean, that was okay to me. That felt a little bit like we don't have movie budget so we need to find a way for her to kill people with the lightsabers without being able to see it so well <laughs> oh i don't know i just think it was a cool atmosphere yeah i think you might be thinking about it too much i liked i really like the part where she put the both lightsabers through the tree into that guy and then forced through the piece of tree that came out at the other guy I thought that was super fun which was cool except why did the tree hover for like <laughs> several seconds because she cut through it so fast that it didn't fall over until she pushed the piece out yeah because of the force noah well no she cut it and then she force pushed the piece out and then the top of the tree stays there honestly let's just end the show before noah ruins all of the fun out of her it's just what i I, I, I don't know what to tell you again once if you're again, gonna sit down and go, I hate this, so I'll find everything I, that don't. I can possibly find to complain about it, just so nobody else can be happy. Then you're gonna find stuff. But uh, once you're again, like, it looks cool in the mist. Probably a budget problem. Remember that I part didn't... cool with the thing of the tree? The tree took too long to fall. I... Well, I'm just saying. Once again, I didn't hate it. That it was a fine episode, and Rosario Dawson is really fuck cool. So I was excited to see her. All I'm saying is there was a bunch of like weird little things that just felt off. And I don't know if they were directorial choices or something. I think they were Noah's brain doesn't work quite right choices. Because if you just sit back and enjoy it and don't go looking for it to be something wrong, then I don't think you have these problems. But but I wasn't looking for something to be wrong. <laughs> really? Because we talked about how cool things looked in the mist and your instinct was, well, that's probably because they couldn't afford to do something even cooler. <laughs> that's just called having a bad attitude. Ouch. I, well, but the whole thing is, I don't, I don't necessarily agree that it was that cool. It was all right. It was fun. 
I don't know. I just all, all I'm saying is I'm not like I'm not strapping sparklers to my ass and running through my neighborhood going it's all got on. Is that what you do for stuff you do like? Occasionally. This is probably why people shoot your shit with fucking pellet guns. <laughs> His name is Gorgu. Woo! I was gonna say, how do we feel about the reveal of the child's name? Well, name's I, fine. Gorgu fine. sounds alien y. Yeah, I don't have I don't have any real I'm still gonna call him Baby Yoda, so it doesn't really matter. <laughs> I have I, I think there's this thing that where they were like they answered so many questions about his past and I was like, no, I think I just have a way more questions than I did previously. Cause if so if Gorku was taken when the Jedi normally are, which is really young, like two or three years old or something like that, and he's fifty, then he had decades of Jedi training. Decades. <laughs> But he ages at a different pace, so he still would have been childish, right? Like he's still a, essentially an infant at fifty. Well, but we've clearly seen that he he doesn't learn much slower than he physically develops slower, but he's he's obviously not ignorant because he's learned things pretty quickly. Well, I thought it was that he he was taken like he usually was, and then. Was he supposed to be around when Anakin slaughtered all the younglings or whatever? Yeah, so he would have escaped that somehow, and then he's been intentionally repressing his force. Yeah, they said that he doesn't that he doesn't have memories after leaving the temple or whatever. So he's basically lost his memory. I think the reveal is going to be that the Empire somewhere in there kidnapped him, and he was probably in their custody for quite some time, and that's why he he just manages to escape that. And then that's why he's been intentionally repressing his force powers and why he doesn't have stronger powers despite his decades of training. So I think it all does kind of make sense. I mean, it does like, I I get that he was repressing them. And so he's kind of, they've kind of gotten weaker, but they've been getting stronger in Ahsoka being like, Oh, they'll just vanish on their own. It's like, I don't think that's how that works. (laughs) established wise ever anywhere yeah he's not just gonna un jedi like no in in canon i don't think there's ever been a story of somebody who stopped training as a jedi has there well i mean you can generally speaking once you start you keep going there there are characters who have done there's some kind of way that you can actually like cut yourself off you can intentionally basically make it so you cannot access the force anymore. Yeah. But you have to, but you have to intentionally do it. Yeah. They said Luke cut himself off from the force in the last couple movies. Yeah. But we haven't had a character who was in training and decided I'm not going to do this anymore. and walked away. Have we? Well, actually we have princess video game. Well, and in the video games and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Because Leia, yeah. Leia stepped down from her training to be uh, a politician, yeah. and then we found she was still super powerful with the force, though. Well, that was all bullshit, though, because that would be garbage. So keep that in mind. Which hey, one? Hey, if you're gonna look for things to hate in the flying space witch, then you're gonna find him. <laughs> <laughs> which one? Which one was horseshit? The last one, nine. Okay. 
I was saying, because I, th- I, th- I thought you were talking about Last Jedi. I was like, I thought we were all pretty positive on well, that. Last one. Jedi, she wasn't particularly strong in the Force, right? She did that one maneuver to save herself in a desperate plea, but other than that, yeah. Um, me and Noah super positive, or me and Doug super positive. Noah, yeah. sort well, of man. Like, like I said, pos- positive. I just, I just don't. I just didn't think it was as good as everybody else thinks it was. I watched it three times because I loved it so much. So I'm, I'm, I'm curious to see where it's going because now that we know this was not the Jedi they were looking for, and they're going to go in search of another Jedi. Well, I'm getting more and more excited at the idea that Gargo's going to go dark side, which is going to be crazy. So you think he's going to end up being evil? No, I don't think intentionally. Uh No, they're going to use, either already have or are going to use his blood to create Snoke, right? Or possibly the new Palpatine body from the... If If that was a new body, because instead of explaining it, they said... It's magic and stuff, and don't yeah. bother to worry about it. Yeah. <laughs> no, I was going to say the whole thing is so Gorgo's Gur- afraid. He has the attachment to the Mandalorian, and the Mandalorian's basically the only person he's exposed to who is a pretty ruthless, murdery motherfucker. Yeah. I, I, I mean, sure, heart of gold or whatever, but. He's still a fucking murderer. He, he straight up murdered several people in oh, front yeah. of the baby. Like, so do you think him stealing the cookies is what pushed him over the edge? He's now that's, that's his first tip of the dark side. That's his equivalent <laughs> to Anakin slaughtering the sand people. <laughs> <laughs> he stole that kid's cookies. He's obviously evil. I saw a friend of mine who made. Uh, teal colored uh, macaroons after watching watching that episode of the Mandalorian the response. <laughs> well there well there is this whole thing that every every time the the child does something bad in the show, people are so quick to go, well he's just a baby. He doesn't know no better. And you want to keep going, he's 50. He he and he clearly understands things. Clearly and learns things, which means <laughs> He's intentionally doing assholey things. Stealing a cookie and eating the eggs of another thing. I, I was going to say, stealing the cookie, pretty bad. Devouring that woman's children, pretty extreme. <laughs> they weren't. I don't want to get into a whole debate, but they were the first one. Eggs. Okay, I, I'll I'll say the same thing I've said to someone else. Oh, no. Unfertilized eggs in a chicken, one thing. Unfertilized eggs of a sentient creature, another thing. If if this was a TV show and the janitor was in a uh, clinic and took a woman's frozen eggs, which were her last eggs, and slurped them out of the tray, <laughs> how would you feel about that? I'd be like, this is an amazing show. Yeah, well, would, it would be an amazing show. I would show. watch that show. I want to know the name of that show. I'll well, sign up for a new streaming service. Just <laughs> Right. But but I think everyone would agree, not good, not a good thing to do. Eh. Not He's not the equivalent of eating understand. a chicken egg. No, he didn't. He didn't understand the first time. He was told once again. He's fifty, and he understands language. <laughs> second time, 
got yelled at because he was going ham on the eggs. <laughs> Third time, he was clearly understanding how much the eggs meant to that <laughs> frog lady. And you were like, oh, that's touching. And then he ate another one. <laughs> Remember how cute it was when he sucked him in his mouth all whole, though? Right. I like, feel like this season okay. has I feel like this season has to end with cutting back to that lady and she now has a shit ton of babies. Just so everybody can calm the fuck down about that whole situation. What's that? and and I'll say it again, I'm I'm not one of these people that's like throwing a fit about it and being like, Cancel the show. This is a, this is awful. But I'm saying straight up evil. That was straight up evil and he did it more than once. He's such a quote widow guy. Leave <laughs> <laughs> See, you're one of those people. He's just a baby. He don't know no better. He's fifty. <laughs> yeah, but you're not going to know anything when you're fifty either. So, <laughs> well, maybe maybe a little past that. Once I hit seventy five, eighty, I'm sure I'll be a doddering idiot. But <sighs> right. I don't know. Like I said, still good show. I just think maybe they're hinting at uh, Gorgo may not be yeah. good. <laughs> So, because of this show, I went back and started rewatching um, Clone Wars. Oh yeah. So, Jesus, no. So I, the first time I tried to watch it, I got six episodes in. Kind of lost interest after that. So this one I pushed through. I watched like six of them in the first day. Now I'm, you know, further along, and uh, it does get a lot better. Yeah, I should and, be watching it. And I feel like the episodes that don't focus on, I guess, who the main characters are, like Anakin and Obi-Wan, are much better than the ones that do. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. I've tried so many times with that show, and it's it, it's not that I don't like it. It's just that I have trouble getting kind of hooked on it. And so yeah. I end up getting distracted. Yeah, because I had heard that uh, some stuff from Clone Wars does show up in Rebels or something. Yeah. Oh, lots, lots yeah. of stuff. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I didn't want to, I didn't want to skip Clone Wars and just start watching Rebels. So. That's what I did. So. I was gonna say I've I've watched almost all of Rebels and I still have not made it through Clone Wars. the The big thing, Clone Wars, everyone keeps telling me it really kicks up in like the third season. But if that's true, I can't make it through three seasons to get to that third season because I I don't know. I've watched maybe the first 10 episodes of Clone Wars three times trying to get into it, and it fucking sucks. Yeah. Oh, I don't yeah. I don't think it sucks. I like it. I just don't. I find it troubling to get hooked on, which is different from saying it sucks. I find it troubling that it's seven seasons long and like five of those seasons are 22 episodes apiece. It's yeah. just like, Jesus Christ. So, I don't know. We'll see how it goes. Yeah, I was going to say rebels, at least rebels, like the first season's a little slow, but then it kind of gets going right after that. Yeah. I liked rebels a lot right off the get go. I found, cause even though it, the first season is maybe the overarching story is a bit slower. I find it's the, kind of episode of the week ones where they're just doing their little heists and stuff were always fun so and i liked a lot of the character interaction no oh, i was gonna say back back to mandalorian uh i'm, I'm excited that they mentioned uh thrawn yeah although my problem is i don't know how they're gonna justify 
Thrawn existing. <laughs> okay, I don't, I don't know what that is. I don't it know has what... to, it, you have to have seen Rebels for that to make okay. sense. But I, I, I think in a, what, in a general, in a general way, at least Thrawn, Thrawn gets defeated in Rebels. But like that's, it doesn't necessarily mean he's dead. But then the idea of a New Hope, <laughs> The Empire Strikes Back, and Return of the Jedi all happening and the the grand admiral of the imperial army never being mentioned or making an appearance unless he doesn't make thing now. exactly doesn't make any fucking sense and unless maybe he's excommunicado he's not part of the empire yeah, anymore just, which which would be great yeah yeah i mean we got but, two we got through two whole uh star wars movies before we found out that palpatine was still alive Oh, and we found out in the opening crawl of the third movie that he's still alive. And then when we asked how, we were told to shut up and mind our own business. <laughs> I think I've I think I've decided to excommunicado those as well. The uh, the, the new, prequels, new the prequels never happened, and the new trilogy never happened. It is still only the original three movies. <laughs> they were never specialized. Everything everyone says is a lie. That's it. It was just, it was just original trilogy, Rogue One, some cartoons, and and then Mandalorian happened. I assume by cartoons you're referring to the Droids cartoon and the Ewoks cartoon. <laughs> you know what? I'm okay with the Droids cartoon and the Ewoks cartoon. What about the Ewoks live action movies? Oh, of course they happened. God damn it! <laughs> those are givens. Why are those not on Disney Plus? I have them on DVD, so I don't need them on Disney Plus. Uh, because they're owned. I'm trying to remember who owns them because they were made with both the Ewok movies were made for TV movies, and yeah. they are owned by. I thought they were owned by ABC. One of the channels. Well, if they're owned by ABC, Disney owns ABC, so that's what. That's why I'm surprised they're not on Disney Plus yet. I don't know. Maybe there's some weird streaming right shit to them or something. Who knows? I don't know. I I remember finding the Ewok movies delightful whenever I was a small child. But uh, I also found a lot of things delightful as a small child. (laughs) (laughs) Well, they're they're more of a nostalgia trip than anything else when you get around to watching them again at our age. But it's a fun trip, so makes it okay i rewatched uh roald dahl's witches a few weeks ago yeah i was sick and uh i got Shar to watch it with me and i was all excited because i was like oh you're gonna love this because like this was great when i was a kid and she, and she was like i don't know it was okay and i was like you don't understand <laughs> why don't you understand why this is one of the best things <laughs> Well, I mean, it doesn't doesn't have the controversy that the new one has. So, I uh, they're, the, they're making they're making fun of disabled people. Well, and it, I I just can't I just can't do it. I I don't mind. I'm not going to be one of the people being like, oh, they race swap the characters for no reason. SJW. I don't care about any of that. What I care about is that the book's really cool. And the original movie has some horrifyingly great special effects in it. Yeah. And the trailer looks like a pile of CGI shit. 
And I just, I have no interest in their pile of CGI shit. It was all right. I don't know. But yeah, more people are complaining that when the witches take their gloves off, they have three fingers. And that's making fun of people with physical disabilities. That's a weird, I don't remember three fingers being a thing. They didn't have toes. Yeah. Was a big fan, like club feet. Well, I don't even know if it's a thing from the book. It's just something they do in the movie to make them more witch-like. And apparently that was not a good call. Here's the thing, though. There's always going to be a small contingent of people who are upset about everything on the internet. And for some reason, we take whoever's upset, their voices go to the front of the line. I don't... I have trouble believing that there's actually a lot of people out there who give a shit that those witches had three fingers. I bet you, like... If you go to actual people with physical disabilities and you're like, do you see the new witches movie? They're going to say no. And they're like, well, don't watch it because the witches have three fingers and they're going to look at you like you're fucking stupid because they won't even understand why that matters. Yeah. That's, that's my take on it. I think we just, these different internet sites and whatever, they go looking for somebody to be offended about every little thing. And then they blast it. Like people are upset about this. And it's like, yes, you found a person who's upset about that, but people in general don't give a shit. Right, I think that's true with almost everything. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Like every every I, fucking movie, everybody's offended about something, and it, none of it ever really matters. I mean, I think the the whole trick is there has to be, there does have to be a line somewhere. I I think that the discussion of where that line should be needs to be a little bit more honest. Because if you take everything to the extreme, it gets ridiculous. So. If I made a werewolf movie and werewolves were identified by a a birthmark blotch on their shoulder, somebody could scream that it's ableist and against people with birthmarks. I mean, that's you could very easily make that argument the exact same way you make that argument about a thousand other things. And that's fucking ridiculous. It's stupid. That's not... (laughs) You have to take, eventually, you have to take intention into account, and you have to, uh, I don't know, decide where the lines in the sand are all drawn. I I don't even think, like, like, again, this witches thing, I don't think it's a real controversy. I just don't think it exists. I think it's a few people who can use, who can get clicks by pretending there's a controversy. That's all this is. Uh, a, I, lot of, a, a lot of quote unquote controversy on the internet, I think, is that. See, I don't, I, I don't know if I, I, I fully believe that. Just because I have some friends who uh, are on the the extreme fringe of that kind of stuff, and they are the type of people who would totally blow a gasket over that kind of thing. Yeah, so if you know two people who did it, then that must make it a real controversy in a world of seven billion. Well, no, I'm not saying it's a significant controversy. But I'm saying there are people who are upset about sure. it. And that's exactly what I'm saying, though, is we take those voices and we amplify them for the clicks. Yeah. And it's, they're not, it's not, everything could be a controversy or anything. Like me calling them clicks, somebody could choose to find that offensive and write an article about it and figure out how to title that article so that it makes it into the Facebook logarithm. And all of a sudden, we have a controversy about whether we should be calling these things clickbait because the term click is offensive. But it's not actually offensive it's just somebody trying to get those clicks that's and that's all most of this stuff is please remember to replace the speaker on the post when you leave the theater
And now, folks, it's time to say goodnight. We sincerely appreciate your patronage and hope we've succeeded in bringing you an enjoyable evening of entertainment. Please drive home carefully and come back again soon. Good night. Good night.